So 2020 is a uh, census year. We, I, I think we all know that, right? Yeah, and I didn't realize it's still 2020, but thanks yeah. for rubbing it in. Longest 83 months of my life. Um, and, and so we do it every 10 years here. In Britain, they do something very, very similar. They just do it a year later than we do. Like how we'll have the census in 2020, their next census will be in 2021. So the 1881 English census, um, one big question was uh, asking residents to furnish their rank, profession, or occupation. And I have to have a list here of some of the responses. Um, colorist of artificial fish, knight of the thimble, disinfector of railways, examiner of underclothing. Yeah, but the disinfector of railways thing, it's just blowing up right now. Yeah. He's, that guy's just killing it in yeah. 2020. That's so one of those vintage jobs that made a comeback. Everything old is new again. Yeah. Uh, invisible net maker, electric bath attendant, proprietor of dwarves, 52 years an imbecile. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> you can get paid for that? <laughs> well, I'm 47 and running. Yeah, you got five <laughs> years left. So it looks like I get to retire at 52. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is the list of fake jobs I gave my parents after I graduated and had nothing to show for it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> this is what every resume looked like whenever I was running restaurants. <laughs> uh, knocker up of work people. I don't know if that's knocked up. In the I sense we want think of it. that job. <laughs> Are they hiring right now? Oh my God. Um, in this economy, uh, Turnip Shepherd. Uh, here's a good one. Just <laughs> I, I believe. Oh I believe now in 2020 that is known uh, colloquially as farmer. Yes. <laughs> turnip Shepherd. Like now, what the what the fuck were these turnips doing in 1882? Well, the similar? Is that similar to? Boat parade? I was just oh, going to say the God. same I don't know. Here's what I think. I think it's similar to how all of our parents would refer to somebody uh, being a closeted gay person back in the 80s. Oh, here he's a bit of a turnip shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, he's from California. Mm. Um, she has comfortable <laughs> shoes. Uh, emasculator. Uh, fat. <laughs> again, yeah. everything old is new again. Yeah. Fatuous pauper. There's one. <laughs> Uh, just, I think that's just a... What is, it's a SoundCloud rapper, right? <laughs> just Drowner. <laughs> uh, Fishbender. That's that's actually still a job. Yeah. Uh, here's here's one. This, this is a job in certain parts of the country. Cowbanger. Oh, man. <laughs> is it big, Wyoming that's still technically it's, legal? It's I think it's Wyoming. Yeah. I definitely Midwest. Who was who that on our on our microphone? There was a mysterious fifth well, well, voice. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We have, a mysterious we have the fifth introductions voice. coming up. What happened? Who's in the kitchen? <laughs> uh, simply running about. That's one of my favorites. That's uh, an influencer. Yeah. This is uh, this is on, on off of Cowbanger Beef Twister. <laughs> <laughs> That's Padre and Random Waller. <laughs> Only on Tuesdays. <laughs> less less so since your teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I'm more selective. And. Um, Man, the uh, that is your that is your uh, weekly news update from 1882. Yeah. I think we can uh, I think we can add quarantined podcaster to that list. Yeah, well, I mean, all... hell, we couldn't do anything. Yeah, I, like even in the age of Rona, I was sidelined with an illness that wasn't COVID. Uh, yes, Chris fell victim to a uh, a creature that has long captured the imagination, a majestic beast, the noble deer. Excuse me, deer tick. Correct. Uh, I like I said, I'm the only person that was sick uh, in a pandemic with something that wasn't that. Uh, and I think that it's super messed up that Spider-Man got bit by a spider and got dope powers. 
And I got bit by a tick, and I've just had a migraine since July 2nd. Yeah. On the bright side, he's the first person since Brigham Young to get Colorado tick fever. <laughs> yeah. You, you, well, this is just Allegheny tick fever. Yeah. This is this is the AK Valley, man, which is probably worse. It's, it's yeah, a little they, more radioactive. The tick was probably on meth. <laughs> that poor bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he bit me, and then there was change missing off my counter. <laughs> Started losing teeth. <laughs> On that note, everybody, welcome back to Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades. I'm Rob North. I am your co-host, Chris Miller. I am Michael Ernett. Kyle Graper. And, yeah, we have a fifth voice. Uh, I'd be Jim Ernett. I am the Padres' brother. Yep. Hey, thanks for stopping in, Jim. I appreciate you coming, brother. Fifth man. We got ourselves a whole damn basketball team here. <laughs> appreciate the welcome. <laughs> and combined, our jump distance is about 24 inches. Yeah, it's, it, we're just the Washington Generals, yeah. basically. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to get absolutely shelled no, every day. No, we're the Washington Generals. Only worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those guys are actually pretty damn good. Uh, you may also uh, hear an increase in sound quality. Yes. Well, part of the reason our, our episode is so delayed... In addition to Chris coming down with Lyme disease, uh, we had a I bit of a... I was going to die, dude. It sucked <laughs> so bad. I got like all the weird turn-of-the-century diseases. It's, it's not the Rona. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, you're, it was, it was you didn't just even karma. go to the hospital. You went to a sanitarium. It, it was karma getting back at me for making all those Tiger King jokes about Roy. <laughs> Karma's a bitch. Uh, but yeah, we had a bit of, a, um, a bit of an equipment failure. Last uh, week, no, so. I, it's it, more of an equipment failure. Was just an uh, like, and I've had enough of this breakdown yeah. after a year and a half. I was like, yeah, I'm fucking done. And then the next day, I went and bought hundreds and hundreds of dollars uh, from our good friends at and Stuff Music, formerly mm-hmm. known as Pianos and Stuff. Uh, it's a Pittsburgh institution. Uh, if anybody has any need for any kind of musical instruments, uh, please go check them out. Ask for Justin. Tell him. Uh, I'd say tell him Chris sent you, but he'll probably charge you more. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Rob did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, also you might hear uh, our little buddy Vinny Bag of Donuts down here thumping around. but uh, He should nap. I've been running him pretty yeah. good. He'll get there. He'll get there. If anything, our storytelling will put him to sleep. Well, I mean, the last time yeah. you heard a dog clicking around, we just rode him into the into the bit. Like, yeah. we, we had the, we had a dog on the payroll. Now yeah. now we just need a new job for this one. It's a second oh, generation. Vinny, yeah. Vinny, uh, Vinny just needs training. And um, <laughs> You tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell me about it. I live with it. He's my roommate. Yeah, I say as he bites my hand. Um so, we're doing things a little bit differently this week. I know I mentioned this in the last episode. We're going to switch things up. So, from the beginning of the podcast, I've sort of been the one kind of leading the storytelling while everyone else has been, you know, contributing, color commentary, you know, rogues gallery, a three-man version of the two old puppets from the uh, from, from the Muppets. Statler and Waldorf. Waldorf and Statler. Yeah. Yes. That's it. Uh, if, good if, reference. If, good reference. Yeah, if you guys are ever in a trivia show, just know that they are named yeah. Statler and Waldorf. Uh, call, call, call the other three what you like. But um, we've decided that uh, we're going to... I want to be called Ben. <laughs> Dover. <laughs> Over let's, to you, Ben. Let's not... <laughs> call... Us being called what we want to be... <laughs> You have to call me Nighthawk. <laughs> let's not let's not go down. Yeah, in the road, next episode, so. we're just going to switch up nicknames. <laughs> so and it's all going to be yeah. emo. So we're going to be rotating through the whole roster here. Um, all three of the guys are going to be each taking a turn to sort of tell a story of their choice, which it gives me a nice little break. Gives me a chance to be a little more reactive and and take a bit of a of a different tack with recording these episodes. I know I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are too. And today, and if you aren't looking forward to it, uh, 
Catch us in four episodes whenever we go back to Rob. (laughs) And we're going to find out how funny or not funny Rob is. So (laughs) if you're sending mail to the Bob Crane sex cult, just let me know if you actually have any fan erotica regarding Rob, and Mm. I will forward it to him. Oh, please do. And we can add it accordingly. Please do. I mean, I'm spending a lot more time at home. I need need things to occupy myself. I'm, you know, Netflix is only going to last me so long. (laughs) Yeah, until Tiger King 2 comes out. Yeah. Having not been home the whole pandemic, can you tell me that you're not, you don't have anything to occupy yourself at home? (laughs) Because believe me, I know what I do like a circus monkey, and I have plenty of things to do at home. I'm not... I'm not saying I don't. I'm not saying I don't have that ability. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. Even I get. You even get bored with that under quarantine conditions. Right. Like you can. It's like whenever you listen to a song so much yeah. that you just burn yourself out on it. It's yeah. bad. <laughs> it's so like the top blue oyster. <laughs> you. You're blue oyster culting your penis right now. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and to anybody that is still listening, we want to thank you for sticking around with us. Yeah. Shouting out, go, go, Godzilla. I'm new here. Never mind. Oh, God. Well, this has gone totally off the rails, and we're only like six and a half minutes. We haven't even gotten to the intro of the topic yet. Oh, no, we made it nine minutes. That's way better than I thought. It's fine. My foot's totally not being sodomized by a dog right now. And so, yeah, it is is Chris's mandate today. Chris, what are we talking about today? Uh, Today, we are talking about gambling in sports, specifically. We are talking about gambling in the 1919 World Series. You may know it as the Black Sox scandal. Uh, you've probably seen it in pop culture. Uh, the the movie Eight Men Out starred every single human being that was in every single <laughs> baseball movie. Hey, the dog's here because Kyle's fucking with him. God, he's leave, trying to eat my foot. Leave him alone. He's an idiot. <laughs> Are we talking to the dog or Kyle? I mean, irrelevant. Uh, dog. Yeah, dog. <laughs> that dog sure is dumb. <laughs> Sorry, God. Sorry, buddy. Uh, no, but we are talking about uh, the 1919 World Series. We're talking about the Black Sox scandal. Uh, Eight Men Out, again, starred every single baseball player from every single baseball movie yep. that came out in, like, in, like, well, if you think about it, every baseball movie that you like came out in about four and a half months. From between about 87 and 91. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's... We're gonna get we're gonna get through it. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little pop culture, but right now we're getting into it. But yeah, but it gets referenced in Boardwalk Empire. I mean, any any real period piece around the the right the beginning of the Prohibition era into the early 1920s is at some point going to at least obliquely reference the Black Sox scandal. And the Black Sox scandal, it, it's the yeah, like we said, it's the colloquial name for the fixing of the 1919 World Series by a cabal of players and gamblers with the support of organized crime figures such as the famous Arnold Rothstein followed by a lengthy trial, which led to a serious overhaul of the way things were done in professional baseball. Um, so uh, I want to talk, before we begin, about sources for a second. Um, should we start with the ones I've, I've used? Yeah, by all means. Uh, so I have a few sources. Uh, the first is the book version of Eight Men Out by uh, Elliot Asinoff. Uh, we also have Burying the Black Sox by Gene Carney. And The Fix is In, A History of Baseball Gambling and Game-Fixing Scandals by Daniel Ginsberg. And this... Crown and Glory, which I managed to acquire just last week. Uh, it was a $2 purchase at a yard sale. It is a big old copy, you can hear that, of uh, Baseball and Illustrated History by Jeff Ward and, of course, Ken Burns. Yeah, the it's, it's the Ken Burns documentary. documentarian. And uh, again, uh, the sources that I used, uh, I actually used several sources 
that were contemporary articles at the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pull quite a bit out of that. Uh, I also used a, a fascinating article uh, by our good friends at the Sabre. Mm. Uh, and those are sports statistici statisticians. It's called Eight Myths Out. Uh, and also, good old reliable Ken Burns Baseball. Okay, and before you guys start, I'm sorry to interject here. Um, I had basically been told by my brother, uh, the Padre here, uh, Black Sam, wonderful. There was a book that was out. It was uh, The Betrayal, 1919 World Series and the Birth of Modern Baseball by, mm. by a gentleman, Charles Fountain. I had listened to a podcast that they had had as well about him on YouTube to kind of give me a little bit of familiarity. So anything that I might add in, I just oh, want please. to make sure that yeah. he's getting the the right proper recognition absolutely uh and if anybody else is planning on listening to any other podcast don't waste your time because this one's going to cover all of it yep booyah kyle you you good over there bud i'll be literally biting my yeah okay so just leave him alone just leave him alone he's a puppy he keeps biting yeah he's playing with you because you keep reaching under the table and playing with him <laughs> focus kyle focus dig in you got this this is the closest to Alec Rickman, Alan Rickman mad I've ever <laughs> seen. Please stop. <laughs> I just hear Kyle like desperately. Kyle, give him money out of your wallet. <laughs> chill up here. This is better. So, so essentially what we're talking about today is, is we are talking about baseball that is fixing a series. We are not talking about gambling and sports as it pertains to fixing a game. Yeah. These are two wildly different things. And whenever you fix a series, you have to have a lot of major players, which is why we're going to talk about these eight men, uh, including the, the well, I was going to say handful, but there were quite a few uh, gamblers involved in this, as, as we will talk about a little bit later. Yep. Uh, so, gentlemen, any other points of order? This is the Pete Rose one, right? This is yeah, sure, Kyle. Just go with it, Kyle. Kyle, big sports guy. Did I read the wrong books? <laughs> I, I definitely read the wrong source material for next week. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, the Reds were involved. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but that's really the only connection. <laughs> so, yeah. Any other uh, anything else, gentlemen? Before we begin. No, sir. Well, Let's this go. is normally when I would speak up, but Chris. I'm going to take it away, and uh, we're going to start because there's going to be a lot of names that we're throwing around. I'm going to give you the starting lineup for the eight men out. Uh, we're going to start with Arnold Chick Gandel, who Chick Gandel has one of the all-time great baseball names. Right? That, that, I'm yeah. going to throw out a couple. There are several names I'm going to talk about later just because they're great names. Those people that we'll throw in later, don't worry about them. You don't can worry. forget about them, but they've got dope-ass names. I call bullshit. Bullshit. Chick Gandel is a Disney name. You, they, it, you, you expect... Chick, Chick Sunshine Gandel. You, you expect him to like grab Rapunzel and put her in the tower or like like drown Ariel or some shit? Like some Pixar dude is no, gonna no, come no, up no, and no, no. Chick no. Gandel is the guy who desperately needs a taxi home from the VFW. <laughs> that no, Anywho. That, that, that's Hap Wyman. Oh Hap, Hap Wyman might have the greatest name yes. ever. He was what, right fielder? Uh Actually, he was uh, a World War One guy. That I thought he was. He was a ball player. Was he? Yeah, have one. He was definitely. He was definitely a veteran, but he was also a ball player. Yeah, and then, he, like I don't know, like he just carved out coal mines with his just bare yeah. hands. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So well, and Chick died of cancer after John Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> so we got it. We got Chick Gandel. He's our first baseman. Yeah, he, Chick Gandel. He, he was an interesting guy too. He he was. He had a reputation for being a tough son of a bitch, and and he he played ball in the Southwest U.S. and in Mexico before, and then left baseball to go work as a boiler maker at mines mm -hmm. so and then he was a semi-pro boxer yeah and in semi-pro boxing he had a a penchant for 
Throwing fights for money. Yes, he did. So uh, that's how we got to know a couple of the guys we're going to talk about a little bit later. But then we've got Eddie Seacott, starting well, pitcher. Chick, well, before we move on, Chick Gandel, he was also a, he was playing for a semi-pro team in Fresno. And he was arrested for stealing 225 bucks cash from the team's actual Yeah, from their strong box. Yeah, mm-hmm. right from their strong box. So the dude's history with, uh, with crime in baseball, yeah, he, uh, he had a history. Yeah, if there was something yeah. something that you could probably get arrested for, he was definitely doing it. Yes. We'll, we'll put it that way. So, uh, the honestly, maybe the linchpin that we talked about earlier is going to be one, Eddie Seacott. Eddie Seacott was the ace pitcher. He was the number one pitcher in the rotation mm-hmm. in an already fantastic rotation of pitchers. To put into perspective for all of my baseball fans out there, Eddie Seacott was second in just about every stat to Walter Johnson. Yeah. Walter Johnson is maybe the best pitcher of all time before, uh, if, you, if we're talking about segregated leagues. Um, uh, knuckleballer, yeah, which is a pitch that you don't really see anymore. There are two guys in baseball that still throw it, and there's only two guys in baseball that still throw it. And to go to that extent, I mean, you look at Eddie Seacott. His big thing was he was the keystone to, to both ends of this uh, this scandal itself. Mm-hmm. So, especially, especially when you're talking about throwing a series, yeah. In well, in baseball, the pitcher throws the ball. Yeah, for our audience members. That's what. That's so they have the context. <laughs> Kyle was the layperson in yeah. this, but yeah, he, he was a hell of a pitcher. He had a two point three eight career ERA. He was the uh, American League wins leader in nineteen seventeen and nineteen eighteen, and he was the uh, ERA leader in the American League in nineteen seventeen. And we're not ready for slash lines yet, are we? We're gonna. We'll I, I have one slash line. I was gonna get into into sabermetrics for everything, but I'm just gonna do one slash line, and I have it at the end. But so don't don't point, worry, guys. I'm not really gonna blow your brains out with going into the 1919 World Series. He was 35 and eight going into the uh, that series itself. Yeah. So I mean, it was it was big. Yeah. This this guy knew what he was. He had 29 regular season wins, and this is whenever pitch they pitchers were handled differently than they are today. There was no like at 100 pitches, nobody's coming out there to get you. This is in an era whenever you had guys that would have. 20 complete games a year. Mm-hmm. So th- this this guy was a horse. Uh, we have Oscar Happy Felsch, our starting center fielder. Uh, we have Shoeless Joe Jackson, the power-hitting star outfielder. Uh, fascinating character. Never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, uh, it turns out he was in a in a uh, small motion picture. Uh, was written, it was uh, adapted. Uh, of a book of, where he was the titular character. You may know the film as Field of Dreams. Uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson is going to be somebody that we are going to get into in a little bit. We're going to kind of lay it out as far as what Joe Jackson did. All you need to know about Joe Jackson is that this dude was, one, he was young at the time, and two, arguably the best player in baseball. 3.56 career, or .356 career batting average. Yeah, I mean, this was, guy. This guy was an unbelievable hitter, yeah. uh, tremendous defensively, and he was shoeless Joe because yes, at one point he did play a game without shoes on because he put on his new black cleats and they hurt his feet. Yep, um, illiterate. <laughs> he was not the only illiterate. Not the only illiterate on, one, the, was, on the team. He but, was paying uh, yes. for it. Uh, and uh, contrary to popular belief in Field of Dreams, uh, he did not like ride off into the sunset after this. Uh, it turns out the dude uh, owned and operated a liquor store. And he hung out with Ty Cobb all the time. Yep. <laughs> well, and the other thing I was going to say is that you bring up the illiteracy, and everybody brings up the illiteracy of Sheila's Joe Jackson. But let's be honest. I've been to Greenville, South Carolina. <laughs> he was not alone. No, uh, Shoeless Joe is a, a, a farmhand. Shout out to all our listeners in Greenville, South Carolina. <laughs> Ex-listeners. 
<laughs> they turned it off. Now we can say whatever we want about Greenville and not have to worry about repercussions. Yeah. Shoeless Joe also knew a lot about how to play the stocks and how to, you know, how to mm-hmm. be able to invest in a business that he believed in. I mean, beyond the Black Sox scandal. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's a little unfair. He was very successful for himself. Yeah, yeah he couldn't read, but he down. wasn't stupid. It's unfair to say that this guy didn't. He wasn't educated because exactly one member of the team had a college education, and mm-hmm. they made fun of him. Yep. <laughs> so, Ooh, look at you with all your fancy book learning. The next guy. Man, we're I'm gonna, glad people respect education these days. <laughs> the next guy we're going to talk about is Mr. Fred McMillan. Fred McMillan was a utility man. Um. Fun fact about McMillan is that he probably would not have been included in this story if he didn't accidentally wander into yep. a conversation about it. <laughs> uh, but uh, he was a team scout, so that's yeah. kind of why he needed it. And he really didn't play that much. No. Uh, he did play in the series, and he was bad in it. Spoiler alert. Hey, what, what are you guys talking about? I mean, that's how it all started. It's exactly. Like he just poked his, head really into, how it yeah, started. poked his head into a meeting between two of the guys we already talked about. What you guys doing? Uh, the next guy we're going to talk about is Charles Swede Risberg. Uh, he was a shortstop. He was uh, essentially, if we're going to talk about this as a gang, he was the muscle. Mm-hmm. He's the hmm. pretty much the only person that we're going to discuss that people were legitimately afraid of. And he uh, looked like the muscle. Mm-hmm. Swede Risberg was a mountain of a man. He looked like a really mean version of like peak Lou Gehrig. If anybody's yeah, ever I've... seen a picture of Lou Gehrig, uh, I know that Lou Gehrig uh, famously has the speech. Uh, whenever he was car- whenever he was taken off, he was the pride of the Yankees. He was known as the Iron Horse. Yeah. Look at a picture of that man. His head is enormous. He was. Uh, he would be like if Babe Ruth was not a fat, sloppy piece yeah. of human excrement. He, he's, <laughs> I mean, the dude had a head and let's be real, a face like a medicine ball. Yeah. Uh, and and this is sweet Risberg was every bit this size uh he was a giant of a man he was a a not only a power hitter during the regular season he was a contact hitter um so a couple things that are going to come up a couple stats that'll come up for uh sweet are pretty telling as to why this guy was all in Mm -hmm. on taking the bucks uh we're gonna move on a little bit we're gonna keep going around the horn we're talking about a third baseman mr buck weaver uh if anybody watched the film, it was played to the hilt by none other than John Cusack. Everybody's favorite 80s movie, Bo. He's such a dreamboat. <laughs> but he wasn't a dreamboat, and we still liked him in Gross Point Blank. Mm. Put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Buck Weaver is going to be a more he polarizing... He still cuter than Minnie Driver in Gross, gross Point Blank, oh, by the way. <laughs> Hot take, Michael. <laughs> I... I we will we will get into probably an off camera discussion about that, but I, I think Kyle might have a valid point here, and uh, only in gross point blank. Mini uh, Driver is the most beautiful llama. But the fun fact about Buck, <laughs> Buck Weaver, oh, Jesus, about Buck Weaver, uh, our our star third baseman, is that while he is mentioned in the eight men out, Buck Weaver was not actually on the take. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope, but he got boned for it otherwise. And we got ourselves another pitcher. We have Mr. Claude Lefty. Uh, spoiler alert, he was a left-handed pitcher. Uh, they were so unique about their Lefty nicknames. Williams. Southpaw. So he was our southpaw. This is a time he, he, ba- was a, he was a relief pitcher. Yeah. Well, this is a time in baseball, Kyle, when, when there was a league rule that 20% of your players on the team, on your roster, had to be named Dutch. <laughs> so. <laughs> it was Arnold a different Schwarzenegger time. from the Predator? 
Let's go with that. Okay. But to your point on the uh, on the southpaw thing, um, not a whole lot of people realize this about what a southpaw truly was, and it had a lot to do with uh, Chicago White Sox Stadium. Mm-hmm. It um, it was basically the left-handed pitcher in the windup. His left hand would be facing towards the south end of the stadium. Yep. So if you ever hear the term that a left-handed person is a southpaw, that is a pure baseball term. Yeah, even though it's it's widely associated with boxing because a left-handed boxer is a more unorthodox style. Yeah. But it turns out it's baseball. A lot of the things that you hear about today, all these fun little quirky colloquialisms are basically baseball terms. It's the greatest game in the world. And the other thing that I would add is that uh, being stationed in Chicago for the better part of a year, I passed Comiskey Park several times, which is the site of the original stadium that we're talking about and every time i were you around the it, original comiskey or were you around the rebuilt same name comiskey because there were two because uh, the one 94 no uh, it was that was comiskey number two that was comiskey number was, two they, they, well they, i can tell you this every time i saw it i flipped it off there you go boy. you flip off the sign <laughs> i love it uh lefty williams has a a unique point uh in history here um he is one of only only two baseball players to ever lose three games in a World Series, because they were playing uh, longer. They were playing longer uh, series at the time. It was not a yeah. best of seven. We were talking best of nine in 1922. Went back to a best of seven because, after all, there were a war on. Yeah. Well, and he wasn't originally supposed to play three games and pitch three games in the series, was Correct. he? No. He was originally no. supposed to pitch two, and then didn't two of the pitchers end up catching Spanish flu? Yeah, there was there was also something going on. Yeah, this this also took place in a pandemic. <laughs> there was also something going on. Again, everything old is new again. Yep. Um, well, and it, what's interesting too is 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 what's happening in America in 1919. I mean, it basically the importance of baseball in America in 1919 can't be underestimated because we look now and you know you have you have baseball, you have football, you have hockey, you have the NBA. Baseball was the only thing around. In in this in a century ago, I mean, there if were you want to put it, if you want to put it into context, it's it's soccer in Europe. Yes, um, if you if you are ever traveling through Europe, uh, most of it is done by rail. There's no baseball stadiums. There's no football fields. There's very few tennis courts, and there's very few golf courses. But uh, this is how stadiums are huge. They are man. monstrous. Yeah. <laughs> But those, that's, our, that's our starting eight. We don't have a starting nine yeah. because well, we didn't have them because it turns out some of these guys had a, had a little bit of a backbone. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were known as the... Um, clean socks. Clean socks. Mm-hmm. Um, players like Eddie Collins, Ray Schalk, Red Faber, Dickie Kerr. Um, they were, um, yeah, they were pretty straight-laced. And uh, apparently leading up to the 1919 World Series, these two groups rarely spoke to each other on or off the field. Um, the only reason these guys... These guys really didn't come to blows over this whole thing. It's because everybody hated Comiskey so yeah, much. That was their <laughs> only common interest. <laughs> well, and, and there's nothing like common hatred. Yeah. That's basically where we're at. Yeah, I get if, it. And if you don't know anything about Charles Comiskey, he was the owner of the White Sox. He was a prominent baseball player from, I think, 1882 to 1894. Hmm. And he was widely disliked by his players. He had a reputation for being miserly, despite the fact that he was likely no worse than any other major league owner. He, he was notoriously cheap, but it wasn't necessarily about spending money, which is something yeah. I, whenever we get into the myths about this, we will talk about. However, uh, he did make his players wash their own uniforms, yep. <laughs> and he did uh, celebrate the 1919 pennant uh, with a bonus of a box of warm, flat, cheap champagne. As someone who lives in Pittsburgh, the idea of a cheap baseball owner doesn't process to me. 
at all. No, it's totally foreign. That would well, never yeah, happen in this era. Uh, but basically what we're going to talk about today is the Chick Gandal. Uh, it's likely that he sought multiple sources or interested parties whenever he saw there was a buck to be made. Uh, gambling and baseball, not new. Not at all. Not new. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. However, Chick Gandal did know that uh, there were regular season fixed games, and it goes as far as saying the Chicago Cubs uh, threw their series the year before. And they knew that they were getting paid. They were getting paid upwards of $10,000 a man. And that's a hell of a lot of money, especially whenever you have a miserly owner. And no rule mm-hmm. to that point. Yeah, and there were no rules at that point. No, uh, no rule regarding gambling and baseball. Now, it's definitely frowned upon, but is it a rule? Not yet. Kind of like masturbating on an airplane. That's correct. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry. You know, I realize that's a long, hot take, but... <laughs> the internet tells me $10,000 in 1918 would be the equivalent of about 187572 today. Which is bad for professional sports money, but good for everyone else back then. Yeah. Basically, yeah, uh, you got to put it into perspective, too, because, I mean, we consider, you know, 1919 money, you, you look at this as like, oh, they were offered 5000 or 20000 or It yeah. doesn't it's seem the, like real big money it's to the us. buying power is right. what we're talking yeah. about whenever we do this. Now, some of these guys that uh, Chick Gandle likely sought out was Sleepy Bill Burns. This is a man that he knew personally. Uh, Bill Burns was an ex-ball player. He was a pitcher for the White Sox in 09 and 1910. Uh, a lot of these guys knew him. Turns out he was a lousy pitcher. And whenever he got out of the league, he became kind of a lousy gambler. Uh, the other one is A. Battelle, uh, former boxer, confident of Mr. Arnold, confidant, I'm sorry, of uh, Mr. Arnold Rothstein. Arnold Rothstein, mm. yes. Who we talked about in our episode topic, we, Arnold Rothstein. We have discussed him in the past. He came up in our, he was the mentor to uh, Mr. Meyer Lansky, yep. who had his own episode, Lansky. Lucky Luciano. Yeah, he was nicknamed the Brain. Uh, he became the kingpin of the uh, New York City Jewish Mafia. He was a, an, an incredible organized crime figure, but he Yeah, he was, he was one of the greatest gamblers of all yeah. time, and he was also one of the most prolific racketeers of yes. all time. Yes, and this Lansky is, definitely took a page out of Rothstein's playbook because Lansky on the outside kept his nose clean. Correct. And he didn't yeah. flaunt his wealth. Now, Arnold Rothstein was, for the time, fabulously wealthy. and But he didn't, outside of his house, he never really never really showed it. He was not ostentatious. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was manner. very big on keeping his hands clean, yeah. which is why, even to this day, Arnold Rothstein's actual involvement in this is very much up in the air. Yeah. Curiously, though, any relation to the Frank Rothstein that we know of the... It movie Casino. Uh, I believe that that was done satirically. Yeah, I, I don't know for a fact, but I do know that the character was based on an amalgam of both uh, Meyer Lansky and Arnold Rothstein. Yeah, but if if there was a real person named that, I, I we will have yeah. to look into it. And, Curiously, and thank you. And so you know, um, Arnold Rothstein is as responsible as Meyer Lansky and you know Charles Luciano, Frank Costello, all these other figures for incorporating various organized crime groups into a national syndicate. Um, and treating it like a large top-down corporation. I mean, he made his he re, he made his fortune gambling, uh, fixing horse races, running casinos and backroom card games, and um, that was really the biggest racket there was at this point because this is 1919. We've talked about this in the past. Everybody yeah. everybody had two jobs: you worked on the docks or you gambled. And and then if you worked on the docks, you gambled <laughs> after work. Yes, um, or you also, were a boxer. But also, uh, uh, four of these guys we're going to talk about today were uh, boxers. And maybe you could have been a contender <laughs> but also the Volstead Act had been signed but it hadn't yet been ratified so 
um, prohibition isn't fully in place. So being a bootlegger isn't really that big yeah we're, of a, we're not there yet yeah we're not there yet you can be close but you can do it small yet. time as a with with smuggling as a way of, of tax avoidance I mean that was that was definitely a racket that was in place but the massive amounts of money that you can make off of bootlegging into the 1920s we're not there yet it's it's like selling unlicensed cigarettes now yes there's still money but it's not like illicit drugs money. it's not big time Next guy we're going to talk a little bit about is Bill Maharg, uh, former boxer bookie, uh, friend of Bill Burns. So the, these two kind of worked in tandem. Uh, one of the bigger names is Sport Williams. Uh, he was a Boston bookmaker. Uh, he is another former friend of Chick Gandle. He was one of uh, the, the guys that would bankroll him when he was throwing boxing matches. And he was one of the guys in the original... He was one of the guys in the original um, tandem in the meeting. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Uh, whether or not it was Sport Williams that approached Chick Gandel uh, depends on who you hear tell. Uh, Gandel says it was Sport. Sport says it was Chick. So, yeah. again, uh, as much information as we have on this, because we have quite a bit. Like I said, most of my information is coming directly from old newspaper yeah. clippings. That's super cool. What does Bill Burns think of this? Oh, he's off napping. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they lie. Yeah. Uh, Chick Gandel wrote several books, or contributed to several books, because, I, again, Chick Gandel may not have been able to read. Um, all of his stories are different in every single one. Every single one. The guy can't even keep his life straight. Uh, and we already talked about Mr. Charles Comiskey, former player, manager, and now owner. And complete asshole. Yep. So, basically, what had happened is that... A dollar amount of $100,000 for Gandel and his co-conspirators was set. That's lots of different bets. The money spread all over. Uh, Abatel uh, said very famously that they not only sold it, but they sold it wherever they could get a buck. Yeah, so anybody that would take the, anybody that they could get money to take, anybody they could give money to, whatever, they were throwing it around as much as possible. By the way, adjusting for inflation, hundred grand, just shy of $3 million today. Is that what we're doing, Kyle? You good? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were in the zone. Last time you were doing math. Uh, before the series started, <laughs> again, I mean, this math, is... Math, I mean Google, but yeah. yes. This is, this is a best of nine series. Uh, again, the odds are three to one. Um, and better, absolutely loaded money onto the Reds. This is shortly before. This is almost, you know, just coming up to first pitch. Yeah. People were firing money. And that's that's always going to be going to be one of your tells. Because, again, the White Sox lineup is widely regarded as, as one of the best teams in baseball history. So the Reds were there, but they were not expected to win. So yeah. it started at 3-1. to one. It ends up it ends up fluctuating. Absolutely just throws money all over the joint. Well, Can say on the best of nine, though? That's the thing that gets me the most about It was because it. of the war. Yeah. Because there was a war on. They, they changed the playoff structure. It reverts back to the seven-game series we're used to in 1922. Yeah. And, and that's interesting, too, is that America right now is in a freaking boom time. I mean, we're, they were six years off of one of the probably top four financial collapses in American history in 1913, and we yeah. rebounded from it in two years. Yeah. Because at World War One, once the economies of Europe start getting devastated, who do, who do they come to for everything they need to support their civilian population and to fight their wars? America. Who are they borrowing money from? America. I mean, it, it basically set up the conditions for the Great Depression to happen, but mm-hmm. in less than five years in a five-year period there was they estimate 85 percent growth that is i mean that's that's unheard of that's not happened at any other point in american history 
And that's why you see a lot of, um, when it comes to the 1920s, as far as uh, Germany actually entering into some type of prosperity before Black Tuesday of 1929, that a lot of it you saw was American money going into the German economy. Yeah. So it was almost like we bankrolled them. More or less. That's why the Nazi party failed in the 1928 election. I. So going into game one, we have none other than Eddie Seacott, our knuckleballer up on the mound. Uh, they ended up losing 9-1. to one. Eddie Seacott plunked the very first batter with the very second pitch, not the first pitch. Uh, that, that batter's name? Maury Rath. Tremendous <laughs> baseball name. Don't worry about him. I'm not going to mention Maury him again. Maury Rath. I, and the God, first... that's a jersey I want. <laughs> yeah. And the, fu- and the first that's pitch. A, uh, the, the red jerseys at the time are some of the greatest ever worn, by the way. Oh. But they're also wool, so, you know, keep that in mind. I and mean, I'm, first a, I'm a tiny man. All was accounts good. was completely high heat. I mean, it was straight-up fastball down the middle. And uh, the significance uh, of hitting Maury Rath is it's signaling to all of the guys that they gave that they, they have all of this money tied up with, but the socks are in. Yeah. That By hitting Maury Rath, that was basically him tipping his cap to Abatel, Sport Williams, Bill Marg, that we're throwing this game, and now like, everything is set in motion. Well, and, and here's the thing is, by game one, there were already rumors circulating in the press boxes that there was a fix in. Especially, like, all these guys got all of the, and they still do today. Yeah. I mean, th- this hasn't changed, but you get all the money lines. So you yeah. see mm-hmm. what the gambling yeah. action is, and whenever there is a monstrous spike in there's odds a before a game starts. Huge influx. Huge spike yeah, in the it's, odds. It's well, no It's, it's the same well, concept as insider trading for the stock market. Exactly. If, if there's a pattern that suddenly detonates in a way that isn't expected, yeah. there's probably something foul afoot. That's exactly well, what it is. I'm now, right. mind you, uh, they are definitely breaking the law, but they are not, at this point, breaking a baseball rule. Like, well, I don't want anybody to yeah, think yeah. that what they're doing is totally legal because it's super illegal. But, it, it, and like, Rothstein, they say that Rothstein, of the hundred grand that was invested in this, Rothstein put up about 80000 of that. Which is like, okay, it, that's a Sport lot. Sport Williams he, took 80 grand from him. So Rothstein also placed bets where he would have made over 200,000. That's almost 6 million mm-hmm. in today's money. Yeah, this this is, uh, I, I have a couple figures on that that we'll get to later, but Rothstein threw up bucks. Yeah. Bucks. Both Sport bucks. Williams is basically steering this ship, but it turns out he's not the captain. Yeah. But so, yeah, there, there's already rumors that a, that a fix is in, but um, October 2nd in the Philadelphia Bulletin before game two, they actually, they actually published a poem, and I love this. It would end up uh, oh, quickly God, becoming yeah. very, very ironic. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to put on my best uh, 1919 press man voice. <clears throat> Still, it does it really doesn't matter. After all, who wins the flag? Good clean spot is what we're after, and we aim to make our brag to each near or distant nation where upon shines the sporting sun that all our games gymnastic baseball is the cleanest one. Uh, an article was po- was also published <laughs> yeah. in the same day in the New York Times. It yep. said, never before is <laughs> a World Series favorite, and I'm adding that one in, received a more disastrous drubbing in an opening game. Yep. So those were published at the exact same time on the exact same day. <laughs> yep. And I want to say, is it you, Fullerton? Fullerton was... Uh, the, yeah, Hugh Fullerton. Yeah, you Fullerton actually put out a telegram to all the papers that he was writing in and the telegram said advise do not bet on this series something foul afoot yeah yeah Hugh Fullerton kind of knows that something's up and it's him and former pitcher Christy Mathewson uh he 
who is also uh, in the press box with him. In the film, it's somebody wildly different. (laughs) Okay, the the story about Christy Mathewson. Christy Mathewson was actually in a sanitarium um, fighting a losing battle with lung damage that he'd received from poison gas in the First World War. He left the sanitarium to go report on the series. He walked Uh, out. Yeah, Christy Mathewson is is one of the... I thought we loved baseball. One of the old baseball men. Yeah. Um, this is in an era whenever men have uh, not necessarily the right amount of fingers, but are pitching anyway. Yes. <laughs> kind of a Rocky Blyer for those of you who are not uh, paying attention. <laughs> or yeah. a Mordecai three-finger brown for those of you that are. <laughs> uh, in game two, we got Lefty, Million- Lefty Williams, who we know is also on the take. Um, walks three straight batters, gives up four base hits. Uh, they lose four to two. Yeah. And this is whenever Matthewson and Fullerton are circling any plays that they deem suspicious. So these guys are, are kind of taking on the mantle of, of investigating this from the inside. These are our whistleblowers by game two. Well, game two was supposed to be Red Faber's pitching, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be Red Faber's game, but he's down with Spanish flu. Yep. Yeah, so we have Lefty Williams stepping up. Um, again, this is, uh, this is whenever the players are now expecting $20,000 apiece after every loss. They haven't seen any of the money yet. Yeah. So after game two, whenever they're throwing this, the fixers allegedly, this there's a little bit of hearsay on this one, but allegedly they failed to deliver. So that means that our White Sox, not yet Black Sox, decide they're going to start winning baseball games. And they do. They win the next two. Now the series is even in game four. Um, now this is where things get a little bit bizarre. Because oh, by the way, a little perspective, $20,000 in uh, 1919 was as much as eight seasons salary for some of these guys. Yeah, there were two guys on the team that made decent money. Yeah. Well, in bet, uh, in, in gambling, Black Sox are no. Seacott wanted to win game four because he pitched game four. Mm-hmm. He wanted to win game four because he thought he was going to play next year. In 1920, it was, and he was. It's what today to, we would have called a contract, right? But for yeah, it was. Yeah, he was. He was doing his years. best. He wanted to pitch a perfect game. Well, it also or begs the game question. Near a perfect well, it game. also begs the question, though, of, of letting it go out to seven, eight, nine games. How much is how much of that is a tactic? Because if the White Sox come in heavily favored and they get blown out five games straight, that yeah, if they if they just if you draw the series out, you're able to smoke the screen the fix. Now, the the popular story here is uh, after game four that um, players received threats against their families, against their persons. Uh, Famously, Lefty Williams, uh, there was a a hitman that was only known as Harry F. Yeah. uh, Pulled him aside, flashed a a piece. Supposedly a guy named Harry Feinbaum, who was the main enforcer for the Chicago Jewish mob. Mm. Uh, We're going to talk about Harry a little bit. We'll talk about Harry just a little bit later. Just out of curiosity, gentlemen, before you go in any deeper into this, the question was: Is five to twenty thousand dollars a lot? A couple of these guys had asked for the money up front and had found about ten thousand dollars under their pillow into the hotel room that they were going into at this point. Eddie Seacott had ten thousand dollars cash under his pillow before Game One in the team hotel. So the rest of these guys are waiting, kind of on their money because they're mm-hmm. supposed to be they're supposed to be twenty grand. Under some pillows. It's split right, up, but we're but like, it, where's our money? So what I'm saying is... So Seacock it, it, got paid, but where's mine? It leads a lot of the question to, you know, at this point, and this is something that I I talked to you guys about earlier, is that, you know, was the... You know, this is the question that leads to, out of, uh, out of the history of it all, where 
it was basically they were told and promised that they would have up to X amount of dollars. And in that term, where they looked at it and said, you know, hey, um, you're not putting in, in on this at the same time. You know, if you're not going to give us this amount of money, okay, yeah, you have it up front and that's great. But are you really going to give us this amount of money? And at the time, the, the, the guys who were at the very keystone of this all to fix the fixers because the fixers wanted this, but they weren't promising on what they had to say. So they said, you know, we really tried to play this out. Yeah. So was it a point of, you know, look, you said you promised this, but we're actually going to play. And the question is, is were the Reds better at that point in time versus the White Sox who were better on paper? Well, that's why you play the game. Yeah. No, that's why you play the game. They were three to one favorites, but by the same token, you know it's, it's very different. If a team is better, then they'll sweep every series, but it doesn't always happen. Right. I mean, I mean the as, Penguins, as Golden State. And sorry to take up forty-five seconds on that one point. <laughs> no, you're you know, quite all right. <laughs> you're quite all right. I mean, the Penguins were what five to one four days ago. They played a twenty-four seed. In, yeah. the, in the not playoffs. Yeah. But did they want the 12.5% to try and get the top prospect? Uh, and they ended up with 15th. Yeah, they got the 15th pick. <laughs> it turns out the Rangers won. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, uh, the Red Sox, or the Red Sox, I'm sorry, the White Sox end up losing game eight to the Reds. 10-5, uh, to five, they lose the series 5-3. to three. Now is whenever the scandal really gets wheels under it because Hugh Fullerton everybody's favorite sports writer and contemporary, uh, along with Christy Mathewson. Uh, the pens the article is Big League being run for gamblers with ballplayers in the deal. Yeah. Uh, it was an issue of the Evening World. It's a New York City publication. And now public interest uh, really spikes. Uh, and we've got baseball is kind of forced to investigate yeah. everything that they've been hearing about but haven't investigated yet. So I have a couple quotes here. Um, the first is after... Uh, this was uh, published in, uh, by Hugh Fullerton in the New York World after Seacott uh, had a, a couple critical fielding errors in the same uh, day that he threw his game. Um, quote, There is no alibi for Seacott. He pitched a great game, a determined game, and the one would have won nine out of ten times, but he brought the defeat crashing down upon his own head by trying to do all the defensive work. He made the wild throw that gave the Reds their opening, the only real one they had, and he followed that up by grabbing at a ball thrown from the outfield and deflecting it past Schalk, the, the catcher. The high fly to left, blown by the wind over the head of Jackson, who was playing close in, followed, and Chicago was beaten. There is more ugly talk and more suspicion among the fans than there ever has been in any World Series. The rumor of crookedness of fixed games and plots are thick. It is not necessary to dignify them by telling what they are, but the sad part is that such suspicion of baseball is so widespread. So now we've got yeah. we've got an army of fedora-clad journalists <laughs> storming into people's offices, pounding on doors, and this is basically whenever you know they're knocking down they're knocking down Comiskey's door. Yeah. it is, and they, hey, did you know that the fix was in? To which he simply replied, "No, it wasn't." Yeah, <laughs> and, and by the way, the, the headline of Fullerton's the tagline of Fullerton's article the day after Game Eight was, uh, is Big League Baseball being run for gamblers with ballplayers in on the deal? And uh, the article says, again, this is from the New York World, the day after uh, the Reds won Game 8 and the series. Can I make an odd note? I'd love for you to do that. Every time you read 
like that, you sound like the chick from the Hudsucker Proxy. <laughs> you know, for kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read everything in a transatlantic accent. <laughs> Quote. Uh, 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 quote, yes, and the voice is coming, Mike. Brace a lot yourself. of history down that road. Or <laughs> oh, you don't want to go down that road. Uh, there will be a great deal written about this World Series. There will be a lot of inside stuff that will never be printed. The truth will remain that the team which had the individual ability, dot, 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 spilled the dope terribly. So much so that an evil-minded person might believe the stories that have been circulated during the series. The fact is, this series was lost in the first game. Yesterday's, in all probability, is the last game that will ever be played in any World Series. If the club owners and those who have the interest of the game at heart have listened during the series, they will call off the annual interleague contest. Yeah, so things aren't going well for baseball. No. Uh, they're, they're roughly as bad as they are today. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, if anybody is, is uh, listening to this in the, in the future... Uh, I'm sorry about baseball. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, 1919 didn't have Kyle Crick, so. Sports in 2020 don't count. None of this counts. No. None of this counts. We're fine. Nothing this year counts. No. We're worried about how kids with asthma aren't going to die as fast, but don't worry. We got, yeah. we got some baseball coming. Uh, this is also whenever uh, Comiskey is shrugging off reports that he knew the fix was in. However, we do have evidence <laughs> that he did know, <laughs> yep. buried the evidence, and it was just to protect all of his many business interests. <laughs> uh, look forward to our two-part Comiskey series coming up. Uh, at this point, uh, let's fast forward a little bit to August 31st, 1920. Uh, this is when there is empirical evidence of the Cubs throwing a regular season game against the Phillies. Uh, they convene a grand jury, and it's going to investigate gambling in baseball, not Limited to, but also including the 1919 World Series. This is also coming up to the 1918 World Series that the Cubs threw. Um, just uh, if any Cubs fans are listening, kiss my ass. Which is where Gandal got the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also got the idea uh, because, again, as a shitty human being, he knew Ty Cobb. And Ty Cobb was throwing games with the Tigers. Regular season games. Uh, Let alone was, the fact that they were looking at it from a standpoint of the Cubs. Er, sorry, excuse, excuse me. Not so much the Cubs, but the Phillies versus the Indians, second division team at this point, and they're looking into a lot of the rumors that have happened that that game itself meant absolutely nothing. That they decided to look into this, and they said, "Well, why is nobody looking into the rumors of the 1919 Black Sox scandal? I mean, why are you know we hear the rumors all the time? Why aren't we looking into this?" Yeah, and this, yet this we're is why we into a game that means absolutely nothing at this point. It's gambling is so unbelievably prevalent, not only in baseball but in all sports at this time. Probably uh, the number two sport in America, right behind baseball, horse racing, which was horse racing and boxing and boxing. Yeah, and this is a different the time in three, boxing. This all, is now. If if anybody watches fighting, uh, cage fighting, boxing, any kind of combat sports, now you know that these guys play. These guys fight every several months. Um, boxers were fighting every other week. Some were fighting oh, yeah. multiple times per yep. week. Yep. Uh, just watch the movie Cinderella Man. If you want a brassy, sassy Paul Giamatti, he's unbelievable. <laughs> Cinderella Man, super good sports flick. I have never heard Paul Giamatti referred to as sassy. It's a, it's a, it's a. Bra- he's like Lois Lane in suspenders and high trousers. <laughs> but no, it's it, like oh, it, Clark. <laughs> Save oh. me, Clark. Ah, oh, Clark. Okay, so uh, <laughs> well, that's the thing is the controversy. The controversy over the 1919 series didn't 
died down yeah. at all through the 1920 season. No, but now they, people they, people wait. are finally pissed off, and yeah. it's no secret that there's gambling well, one of the, professional it, sports. One of the things that in the, in the sources that I uh, that that I heard and read was that. In 1917, you're going back to the Ty Cobb reference, going back to the Ty Cobb reference, one of the um, sources that I go back to is that you, if you go back to 1917, the Sox threw an entire series, or the, excuse me, the Tigers threw an entire series to the White Sox, mm-hmm. and then turn around in 1918... As a thank you, the White Sox threw a series to the Tigers. I mean, because we have, everybody we have made evidence, money. actual everybody concrete evidence money. that yeah. that in 1865 the teams were throwing games. Like yeah. concrete evidence that this was definitely happening. But yeah. now, because people are finally fed up about it, and, uh, thanks thanks in large part to Fullerton. Yeah, that, absolutely, that absolutely. A, a grand well, jury's been convened, and and it's it's pretty much common knowledge that Rothstein is behind it and a whole bunch of these other guys, Avatel, stuff like that. And so, of course, all this anger over America's pastime uh, is stoked by one of America's other big pastimes of the period, uh, anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a quote from a, uh, a May tw- 1920 edition of The Sporting News. And uh, brace yourselves for this one. Quote, because a lot of dirty, long-nosed, thick-lipped, and strong-smelling gamblers butted into the World Series, an American event, by the way, and some of said gentlemen got crossed, stories were peddled that there was something wrong with the way the games were played. There will be no takers for Comiskey's offer, because there is no such evidence except in the mucky minds of the stinkers who, because they are crooked, think that all the rest of the world can't play straight. Well, the good thing is that in 2020, we finally put all of that ugliness behind us. Mm-hmm. And- yes, we never blame anything on the Jews. <laughs> and that, that punctuation is absolutely accurate. I, I've seen 4chan, 8chan, and Reddit. Oh, yeah. So the trial begins June 27, 1921, and Eddie Seacott is the very first one to testify in front of a grand jury that he did, in fact, receive $10,000 placed in cash under a pillow in the team hotel. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that they basically looked at it from a grand jury standpoint and said, who would be the first one to collapse? And they said, from 1919, when you're looking at a player who was 35-8 and eight going into the series, that he said, you know what, after that he had become despondent from his teammates, that he had actually hung his head in shame of what he had done. That They said, who is the, who is the one who is going to crack first? And they went, without question, of the eight men... To Eddie Seacott and said that he is going to be the one that, that is going to crack first. And Fullerton he was, and Matthewson saw Schalk chewing him out. Schalk was his catcher. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think we talked about his position. But also one of the most uh, straight-laced, hard-nosed guys in baseball at the time. Uh, one of the jokes is that he was one of those guys that said if, his, if he smiled, his face would crack. Yeah, member of the Clean Sox. And, and uh, Eddie Seacott said in his confession, quote, Schalk was wise the moment I started pitching. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and whenever he did testify in front of a grand jury, he says one of the most famous quotes, probably the second most famous quote after Say It Ain't So Joe, uh, was, I don't know why I did it. I needed the money. I did it for the wife and the kitties. And whenever he said I did it for the wife and the kitties, the courtroom erupted in laughter. <laughs> uh, mind you that the courtroom at the time is filled with uh, sweaty baseball fans in shirt sleeves and, uh, like, noisy children. Yeah. <laughs> well, Shock's the one that I – honestly, you know, we talk about things – Shock's the one I kind of – 
he had to know. He had to know from the first. The clean socks all knew. Well, yeah, they they definitely knew. And he had to know most of all because you know as well as I do as big baseball fans. Rob, you know, you guys know this. The pit or the cat. Everybody thinks the pitcher's the guy. No, the catcher manages the game. He's the guy that knows what's going on. But anybody and with I, eyes can see that that Seacott throwing a second base and blowing yeah. out a double play is just gonna like. Well, Instead not, of throwing a second base, chucks into the outfield. Swede, Swede can no longer turn double plays. The question I also also have for Shock though is how many times were his calls blown off? It's, you know, it, there there are several times that they're yeah, mentioned historically, but that would but it's a little easier for Seacott to say. You know, it, it, if you watch catchers getting crossed up, it happens all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The signs get crossed up, and again, uh, like uh, if anybody's been watching the 2020 Pittsburgh Pirates, you know that eh, curveball doesn't always curve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like uh, like all of our relief pitchers that only know how to throw, throw a strike 88 miles an hour, middle middle. Yeah. Well, and and they went, and the reason the prosecutors went after Seacott first is his malfeasance was probably the most obvious. I mean, maybe next, maybe Sweet Risberg was up there, but Eddie Seacott was the one who blamed his elbow. Yeah. Uh, on his pitching, but again, the guy threw knuckleballs, and you don't throw with your elbow. But the funny <laughs> thing is about it is you go about your teammates. You know if you try. You know if you're out there try, you know, giving your 100% out there, and you know that you're not doing that. You are just going to, you know, if you truly have any type of conscience beyond that, you're going to be like, holy crap, what did I just do? You know, And it's, be, it's, it's, it's actually because of that, because like you said, because of conscience, that uh, Joe Jackson admits next that he took $5,000. Uh, that is the extent of his involvement, and, so, and, and he took that one to his grave. That yes, he did take yeah. money. He accepted five thousand dollars, but his performance does not necessarily mean he was throwing the game. But he did take five thousand mm-hmm. yeah. dollars. He hit three seventy five in the series with six RBIs and no recorded errors. No, but the curiosity that does get me about Joe Jackson is the fact that they basically talked him out of getting a lawyer. At first, he was like, you know what, I, you know, yeah, I know you're accusing me of this, but, but I want a lawyer. And he wanted. They wanted, like, well, they wanted no. to. They thought their unity would be their strength, and honestly, they they weren't wrong. No, it worked. Yeah, one hundred percent worked. It, it it's like a wise man once said, "Apes together strong." <laughs> so now, we, now we've got uh, Williams and Felsch. They com- they confess their involvement. Now cards are starting to fall. Uh, it does not say, however, uh, whether Williams or Felsch um, credited that to their wives and or kitties. Uh, <laughs> in October 1920, like uh, Gandalf, Seacott, Risberg, Felsch, McMullen, Weaver, and Jackson are indicted on nine counts of conspiracy. Yep. So now, now we've got actual courtroom proceedings. We have moved. We have moved on to some my cousin Vinny style and, shit. And this is a big deal because at this point, under U.S. legal code, it could carry a sentence of up to ten years in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, in June 1921, there's an issue. Uh, we have a problem. We have some paper records that go missing. They are the written confessions of Joe Jackson, Weaver, and Seacott. They are stolen, and apparently, uh, and I, I've gotten this from multiple sources, uh, they were they were removed, shall we say, at the behest of both Comiskey and Rothstein, mm-hmm. who didn't know that both of them were having the confession stolen. Yeah. Later found in the possession of Comiskey's lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was like, uh, a, yeah, issue is an understatement. This is probably what made the court decision what it was. Because those confessions would have changed everything. That is 100% inaccurate. We will, we will dispel that myth. Yeah. Okay. We will dispel that myth. Um, 
Well, they had to. They had also had to name an injured party uh, for this case, so they named uh, right fielder Shano Collins, I believe, is the injured party because he claimed that uh, his teammates' malfeasance ended up costing him one thousand seven hundred and eighty-four dollars. I so, love malfeasance. I love that we can use that. Yeah. I love that we can use that. But yeah, um, we're going to talk about this a little later. I was shocked to uh, to learn this about the confessions being stolen. <laughs> it's super funny yeah. that Comiskey and Rothstein <laughs> both uh, asked to have them stolen. It's like a Jeffrey Epstein style situation where I like to yep. think that a, a team of like a long line of assassins in ill-fitting janitor <laughs> outfits are just lined up outside of Jeffrey Epstein's uh, huh. jail cell. There's like like one guy karate chops a, a janitor and takes his clothes, goes to put him in a locker, but it's yeah. already full of another knocked out janitor. <laughs> Wait, are you here for... Hey, I'm... All well, speaking you know? various accents of the different royal families that oh, wanted yeah. Jeffrey Epstein dead. <laughs> uh, August 2nd. I, I, I was not... I was not there. I was at the Pizza Express in Woking. Oh, sure, sure you were, Your Highness. Right. It's literally just Prince Andrew in a fucking janitor's outfit. <laughs> so how do you want me to do this? Gangland style or execution style? Do what's in your heart. <laughs> it's an abstract, abstract Simpsons reference. Try to keep yeah. up, guys. Uh, August 2nd, uh, which was actually supposed to be the day that we recorded this episode. Uh, however. However. Uh, <laughs> However, it turns out that everything broke and was horrible. <laughs> we, we threw our sound recording toys out of the crib. Yeah, so no, no, we'll post this again uh, next year for, to celebrate the 100th year anniversary. Uh, in front of a courtroom full of sweaty baseball fans, smelly children, the Black Sox are found not guilty on all counts of conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, on August- USA, USA. U.S. Well, one of the reasons why it was really difficult to convict these guys is because there were just so many moving pieces. Yeah, like you couldn't track it down. An almost six-week trial, too. I mean, yeah. it started on June twenty-seven, yeah, and, and everything everything was done according to the rule of August law. 2nd. This is not so, like now yeah. where rich people don't necessarily have to deal with shit. And like it went this. on for a while, but like, and and then well, a, sleep, a sleepy Bill turned state's evidence, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Bill Maher. He started naming yeah. names. Yeah, Bill Maher and Sleepy Bill Burns both turned state's evidence, and and. <laughs> but a lot of the acquittals I heard just shake him awake on the stand <laughs> that had come out of it had to do with the fact that were they doing this for the money or were they doing this to destroy the White Sox organization and that's I, I have some thoughts on that I have some thoughts about that and we'll talk about whenever we start talking about the eight myths uh, but Continue. that was I don't a, want to get ahead that was on August 2nd whenever they were found not guilty now on August 3rd however less than 24 hours later our newly minted commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis nope, that is his that, that is, is his actual honest to god nope. wholesale real ass grown ass man name nope that's not a name no does you, anybody no. know why no, his I'm name sorry, was Kennesaw Mountain oh, Landis hold on hold on hold on no, <laughs> famous civil war battle you can only be named Kennesaw. Dad got shot there. You can only be named Kennesaw Mountain Landis if you're a bluegrass singer or a farm tractor. Fuck that. No. His or, grandpa had a minor role in Game or, of Thrones as an enforcer for the Lannisters. Like Obviously. the mountain. Are you so, telling me Kennesaw Mountain Landis was a White Walker? I, I just uh, love was, that though. He was a White something. No, he was the ice, the eyeball popper. I, I just love that though. Congratulations, Mr. Landis. It's a boy. What are you going to name him? I'm going to name him after the most traumatic event in my life. Yeah, where I got shot. <laughs> yeah, so Kennesaw Mountain Landis' his old man was in a civil war, and he got shot in Kennesaw Mountain. So he thought that that would be a great way to commemorate the day is by naming his kid that, and his kid turned out to be the biggest asshole ever. Um, we're not going to get into Kennesaw Mountain Landis too much because he definitely deserves uh, his own 90 minutes. Oh, yes. Um, and I bet you he's glad that his, the, his dad's most traumatic event wasn't 
anal cancer. Oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess I have to name my kid Kyle Surgery Ward at UPMC Presbyterian Graper. If we're going by that logic, or Jim Vasectomy. <laughs> 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 I didn't know you knew me. Oh. <laughs> they call me Balls Cotton and Zippa McGillicuddy. The name my father gave me. So Kennesaw Mountain Landis bans all eight Black Sox from baseball in perpetuity. And he said, and I'll, I'll even cut my hands around so it sounds Now, before he says this, imagine him dressed like Xerxes from the 300. Because that's how... <laughs> no, that's we're, how we're Chris is dressed like narrative. Xerxes. I'm always, it's the nipple rings. Just give me a break. <laughs> He's just covered in gold jewelry and a butt flap. <laughs> Regardless of the verdict of the juries, no player who throws a ball game, no player that undertakes or promises to throw a ball game, no player that sits in conference with a bunch of crooked players and gamblers where the ways and means of throwing a game are discussed and does not promptly tell his club about it will ever play professional baseball. Now, the, last, you, part, Rose. the last part's very telling. Now, this is... This is a, a direct middle finger. This is a Mountain Land is fuck you to Buck Weaver. Yeah. Because Buck Weaver said, yeah, I know. I knew about Poor it. Buck I Weaver. didn't take any money, and I didn't throw the game. Look at my numbers. Like, look, I, Buck Weaver was the one that went to turn the double play, and then it just ended up rolling to a stop somewhere in the outfield. Uh, but that's Landis throwing the hammer at it. Yeah. That's Landis absolutely dropping it on him. I mean, it's there, the, there's, there's it's, photographs of letters that Weaver was writing to Ford Frick in 1953. It was well, I will talk about that one, there. too. Like, oh, man. By the but, way, uh, there, have, have you guys seen any photos of Kennesaw Mountain Landis? He looks exactly like you think he does. Yes. <laughs> that man is a he is a, a titan of industry. <laughs> He's, he looks like J.P. Morgan had a love child. <laughs> oh. Like he's... He is a tiny, he's a tiny, stout little man. He is a he is a Lilliputian man. There, there's a photo of him in, in the in the um, in the Ken Burns book that I have open in front of me that I've been reading quotes. This from. This man is six inches tall and he's smoking a twelve inch long cigar. Yeah, and but he looks he, like every guy that screwed over your great 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 grandfather. Yeah, it looks it's, like, it's, looks it's like somehow he can't. angrier Monty Burns. This is from the, the Simpsons. This is the face of every man that caused the depression. It looks like he can't <laughs> he can't wait to shoot strike workers. Yeah, welcome to Earth. Local time is twelve. 14 p.m. We know that you have your choice of uh, uh, portals, but we thank you for picking ours instead. <laughs> so, now, this is another guy, including Buck Weaver. We had Shoeless Joe claim that he was an unwilling participant. Now, he is one yeah. that is talking about something that will not necessarily fall on deaf ears, but uh, that there were threats of violence. And this is now his own teammates and not, uh, you know, Harry F., <laughs> our hitman. But, uh, and that, and it, he told Comiskey that this was happening. But Comiskey denies it, So, and, and Comiskey is... If anybody knows anything about the commissioner of a sport, uh, it is the owners that that put this person in their position. Yeah. So Comiskey and Mountain Landis, they know each other. So it, it's pretty sure it, you're, it's pretty easy to tell whose well, side so, he's going well, so to fall Landis, So Landis gets the job. Landis, he's an interesting dude. Like As a judge, he no, tries to... No, he's not. He's an asshole. Well, he's an interesting asshole. But he did he's an asshole things. who is God King isn't Emperor our, of baseball. Isn't, That's exactly what he is, Kyle. Isn't our entire wheelhouse interesting assholes? Yeah. Well, okay. So it's, I, it's like Attila the Hun and then him. So he tried, he tried to legitimately, in 1914, after the German invasion of Belgium, have, have the Kaiser extradited to the United States to face trial. I don't know how he thought he was going to do that. He hauled John D. Rockefeller in front of his court to testify... In, uh, before levying the largest corporate fine up to that point or adjusting for inflation ever since on Standard Oil for price gouging. Wait for this. 
And uh, <laughs> and he once sentenced a bank robber to 15 years in prison when the defendant said, I'm 75, I'll never make it that long. Landis just replied with, well, do the best you can. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> But and so it's a, he it's basically a, gave him the equivalent of the 1980s tabby cat hanging off the road. <laughs> Hang in there, Hang baby. in there, Hang baby. In there. <laughs> now, because because Mountain Landis <laughs> makes himself the, yeah. the <laughs> god king emperor of baseball, as Kyle said, well, there isn't there isn't. Can we talk about who else? Was he's considered? a fucking dragon. Right. He's we, a goddamn dragon. Can we talk about school? who else was considered for the position? He wasn't wealthy enough to be a dragon. He was too, way too small. Yeah. Kyle. William Howard Taft, former president William Howard Bathtub Taft, huge baseball fan. Yeah, just huge. No, general. just huge. Yeah, well, just huge. <laughs> huge. Uh, general John Blackjack Pershing, fresh off of his. Fresh off of his Grand European tour with yeah, the American just, Expedition, he just got course. home. <laughs> I want, I want to kill Huns and ban people from baseball. And and Pershing's number two, General Leonard Wood. So it was like, well, they beat the Bosch over in France. Clearly, they're cut out to manage baseball. Makes sense to me. But because Holy. because Landis, he he gives his verdict and he closes the book. There's a finality there. There's an. Nobody revisits it. There's no room for anything else. It's like, this no. is what we're doing, and it's done. So now there's all this uncertainty, and now his decision looks even worse. Like, not only now, or in the movie Field of Dreams, or <laughs> <laughs> to Kevin Costner, or yeah. just to, like, even to his contemporaries. Um, Chick Gandle produced multiple, mostly contradictory accounts. Um, to what degree were games actually thrown? Like, realistically, only two games were thrown. If you look back at it, and you can look back at it because we found the newsreel footage in 19, yep. uh, of the 1919 World Series in Canada, in the tundra, buried under a swimming pool. I don't know why the fuck that happened, but that's where they found it. <laughs> they just handed it to us and said, sorry. <laughs> a couple of hosers. But uh, yeah, you Hope can you like hockey. You can watch <laughs> that. You can watch this baseball thing, eh? In the tundra, what sort of Twin Peaks? Whenever you really bullshit. don't want to find something, you bury listen, it in northern there, Quebec. Listen, in the tundra, there is exactly three and a half hours where a swimming pool makes sense. I mean, what did they find these guys next? Did they find this shit? Like these newsreels next to the bodies from the Franklin expedition? Like they, what? <laughs> they had to pry it out of. Uh, oh, Help me, uh, Union Kingpin. Help me out here. Uh, uh, Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy, Jimmy Hoffa. Hoffa. Sorry, I've been, I, I, I haven't been sleeping much. <laughs> they pried it out of Jimmy Hoffa's hands. So it's just like a Franklin expedition. That would have been a great like joke. A baby mammoth and then fucking no. baseball news. We're going to try that like... joke again. Yeah, so whenever they found it, they pried it out of Jimmy, Coff, uh, Jimmy Hoffa's corpse's hands. <laughs> Third time's a charm, Chris. One more time. <laughs> Everybody enjoyed that. Well, and no, no. See, you guys don't <laughs> understand how ardent the RCMP are. I mean, have you guys ever watched Dudley Do Right? <laughs> you think Dudley Do Right's fucking around? Brandon Fraser was fucking awesome. You get the hell out of here with that. Uh, I'm thinking Northern Exposure. Well, exactly. That's what hey, I. That's, that's why I'm not allowed to get into Canada. That's why I'm no longer allowed to cross the border. <laughs> Good luck uh, out running the horse. So we've got a couple of myths that we are going to dispel, but that's that's essentially what puts a pin in it because Mountain Landis says this is what it is. It's done. It's over, and that's how it went. <laughs> that was it. Um, uh, these guys were reapplying for. They were trying to get reinstated. Nothing. That was it. It was finally done. So we're going to approach the myths. <laughs> Famed industrial press manufacturer Kennesaw Mountain Landis Incorporated. <sighs> I can't wait for the Mountain Landis one just so I can call him a cocksucker over and over again. 
the first I myth is that the make that for you to make you happy is that the Sox were underpaid. Um, Comiskey was a lot of things. He was definitely miserly. He made his team wash their own uniforms, for Christ's mm-hmm. sake. That's not a joke. He actually made his team wash his own uniforms so he didn't have to pay somebody to do their laundry. I, I, I read was, that's where the Black Sox name came from originally. It's because they just refused to wash their uniforms after a while. So it turns out that our Black Sox uh, were the highest paid team in the American League. Uh, again, this is coming from Asanov's book. Um, if anybody reads any of Asanov's other stuff, uh, he was a very socially conscious writer, uh, Classism and wage warfare were very common with him, so he is definitely going to play up the plight of the baseball players over the. And, and when I say hyper wealthy, like Comiskey was incredibly wealthy, so he was he was an easy guy to pick. That and whenever they won the pennant, he gave them a case of cheap, flat domestic champagne. So he gave them great. Oh books. God, nineteen twenties domestic champagne. Was it Corbell? <laughs> it was a whole bunch of moms. Tuesday was a good year. <laughs> It's, so uh, realistically, whenever we're, we're talking about all these baseball players that are just trying to, they're they're doing this just to get paid. They saw an opportunity and they took it. Yeah. If if Sports Sullivan comes up to you again, brassy sassy Sports Sullivan comes up looking like Paul <laughs> Paul Giamatti and Cinderella Man. That's your homework, everybody. Watch Cinderella Man. Just to get to Paul Giamatti and tell me I'm right. Next Ron time. Howard's done like one and a half good movies. Ron Howard is a niche filmmaker. He finds stuff that he knows people are gonna like and he makes the hell out of it. Apollo 13, Driven, uh, Rush was good. Forrest Gump. Solo, I will defend. I know you hate it. Solo was trash. Anywho. Better than I expected. So Sports Sullivan saunters up with his his slacks somewhere just below the nipple (laughs) and offers you more money than you make in a year in one week. Mm -hmm. You're going to take that money. I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care who you are or how much you like baseball. And Every make, man's got his price. And, and making that money doing what you normally do, just a little bit worse. The Red Sox barrel was $93,503. It's first. Uh, the Reds were actually $76,870. They were eighth. Uh, they are clocking in just above the 2020 Pittsburgh Pirates with $76,000. Uh, Eddie Seacott was the second highest paid athlete in the league. Miguel uh, DeSoto is getting paid in buttons. Yeah, he got fired mercifully. Um. Seacott was the highest paid uh, professional athlete after Walter Johnson. Uh, he made $25,000 from 18 to 20. Uh, Walter Johnson made $31,000 from 18 to 20. Uh, free agency would not begin in... When the hell did free agency start? It was over 60 years. It was like 1984 or something yeah. like that. Whenever the, that labor was up. Um, everybody was underpaid. There was no free agency. Everybody was underpaid. Um the Comiskey spending everything, money on everything but ball players was it was a myth, and it was Asinov that did it. And Gandalf still worked as a boilermaker in the off season. Yeah, that's why. Like these guys were bagging groceries and shit. Yeah, like, they, they half the guys in baseball were steam fitters. Every guy in baseball was Kurt Warner. With uglier, with, a, with uglier wives. What, oh man, what a great reference! Oh, Kurt Warner is like one of the all-time nice guys, and whenever he, he was out of the league, he was bagging groceries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally. Yeah, he was bagging groceries, and apparently he was super good at it. <laughs> there was and like he a, had a super hot wife. Yeah, still Even, does. Yeah, still does. Yeah, Kurt Warner, great dude, a godly man. One one after your own, Padre. And there we go. Uh, the second one is the gamblers approached the team. 
Gandalf and Seacott knew these guys personally. Yeah. Um, there's no way that they didn't approach any of these. This is the Chick there Gandalf's was, just trying was, to make a buck. There is definitely history. Yeah. I, yeah. They played baseball with one of them. And Sleepy Bill Burns was Sleepy Bill Burns not because he was tired, it's because he sucked at baseball. But uh, yeah, so they got input, Sports Benny. Sullivan, Abatel, Bill Burns. Uh, they knew everybody. It was now likely it was first it was Sullivan. There was there was a meeting in a hotel in Boston. Whether like how that happened, we don't really know. It's also whenever our buddy kind of stumbled into the room, it was like, "What's going oh, on, guys? guys? Somebody say gambling." <laughs> um, again, Chick Gandle likely kept as much as thirty-five thousand dollars because they made hey, him guys, the middleman. I, I thought tomorrow was movie night. <laughs> Chick Gandle, like the probably the most untrustworthy of any of them. Mm-hmm. They're like, he's like, "I'll handle the money," and they're like, "That's a good idea." That's a super good idea. And yeah. that's one of the big questions in it, 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 that everybody, everybody talks about game two and game three. Where did that money go? you got to assume, I hate to say this, but you have to assume that the mafia, if they really want to throw this game and make all this money, they're going to pay in, they're going to cash in on, on their payouts. That's the, I mean, that's the... Um, you know, you got to pay. It's, it's a return. Old, it's a return yeah, on your investment. Exactly, I it's an ROI. Understand what you're meaning. Ex- it's an ROI, and as an ROI, you're going to pay that out. So, where did the disconnect come from? Because all these guys that are throwing this game are saying, "We didn't get shit." Yeah, they won game four. Right. You know, they they were they were. I'm sorry, they they games three and four right yeah they, they said they were tired of it right. uh that's another so the question is, is were they about. trying to fix the fixers that's something we're going to talk about in a yeah. little bit or, i do i do have something on that one it did was money snagged by some was money skimmed off by and, one and, of the and another one is that yeah. they gave it why i go to they handle. gave the money to the least reputable guy on the team yeah and again, it's it's believed that he kept as much as thirty five thousand dollars yeah like chick okay if chick gandle couldn't play baseball he would be working for somebody like Arnold. Chick Candle did. Yeah. Chick oh, Candle right. did not play Absolutely. baseball professionally yeah. after after the World Series because he didn't make the team. Yeah, <laughs> so he wasn't he wasn't banned at the sport in 19. Remember, they got banned in 21. Um, but the gambler's angle it keeps the ideal of squeaky clean baseball players. You know, if you watch the Yankees trot out in their pinstripes, that they the uniforms are they're made of different shit and they don't have long sleeves anymore, but they look the same. Yeah. they're bright white uniforms with blue pinstripes and these guys are they're out there they've got their american flags on their hats and all this shit and it's just it's it's this pure piece of americana whenever the the america sucks there's a lot of really shitty stuff going on at this at this time and you can scapegoat the sinful jews the jews Uh, the dearborn independent actually published an article that is it was titled jewish gamblers corrupt american baseball so if you want to know where the blame is being placed look no further than the dearborn independent well well that and the article that i i quoted from the sporting news Uh, i believe it was american game mm -hmm. and and by uh, like big-nosed interlopers yeah it's big-nosed thick-lipped interlopers like yeah but it's like it's the Jews trying to destroy something American because, yeah, they've lived here their whole lives, but they're not American. They're, yep. Like it's, yeah. well, it's it's just good to see that things have changed. Oh, totally. Uh, another myth that we will now dispel is that the White Sox were shorted by gamblers and threatened by hitmen. Mm. Uh, the White Sox were never shorted; they were just 
better than the Reds and upset that they were, you know, the conspirators. Uh, Dickie Kerr, uh, who was not on the take, beat the piss out of the Reds in game three. Yeah. Um, uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson said, uh, under oath, uh, because he wanted the gamblers double-crossed us for double-crossing them. They were just better. Mm-hmm. They were better. They did not decide as a team that they were going to beat the Reds. They were just better than the Reds. They just won because Dickie Kerr was super fucking good. Uh, Eddie Seacott was also super good, but that guy's getting paid to take, which is why, again, my friends, uh, fixing fixing one game, uh, especially like look at Tulane's point shaving, which was one of the big sports stories of the 1980s, for Christ's sake. It's really easy to shave points because you just got to pay one guy. Mm-hmm. Real mm-hmm. easy to shave mm-hmm. points, and it still happens. That's why it's easy to throw a boxing match. You just have to tell one guy to take a dive. Well, and when, you're, when your tactic of throwing the game has to be subtle, mm-hmm. like – you know, you're you're gonna. I mean, if if the White Sox had gotten no hits through five games straight and gotten wiped, it's very very obvious. Yeah, you're trying to hide it. You're trying to smoke screen it. And when you have to be that subtle and do these little things that are gonna chip away at your ability to win a nine game series, Swede Risberg went two for twenty five. Yeah, two for twenty five at the plate. And we talked about earlier. He was one of the team's best hitters. He was mm-hmm. a contact hitter. And when you're a contact hitter, you're not hitting. <laughs> I don't know. But when you're trying well, not to be too obvious to about it, you're still going to win games, or maybe the Reds just don't show up that day. You know, it's not a perfect operation. I mean, it's and we've also got many, many gamblers involved. This is not one guy doing. Yeah. It. You know, this is not just Rothstein. This is this is everybody. We just talked about five of them that we know. Well, so I saw a statistic that nationwide, the equivalent of five and a half billion dollars today have been bet on the World Series in one form or another. I mean, if you think about it in other terms, that's what they spend on March Madness every fucking year, except for 2020. Yeah. I hate to ask this. Is it about the But Jews? I go back to the... Ni- yeah, anyway. <laughs> I go back to the 1991 NLCS and the fact that Van Slyke, Benia, and Mons went a combined on the take. three for 33. On the take. Uh, some guys just can't hit in the postseason. Ask Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, he was terrible. Ouch. He didn't yeah. show up. He was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was there. <laughs> but uh, but Mahark was one of the guys that broke his silence, and he named names. Um, not one of the guys involved were mob enforcers. Um, the Harry F. story, as it turns out, uh, is entirely fabricated. Yep. There is no Harry. Uh, he never threatened Lefty Williams, and Asanoff created the hitman to guard against copyright infringement. So if you ever heard the story again, he would know that somebody stole his story, which is super fucking bullshit because he did it to make his story better. <laughs> so there, there's our one of our big big eye rolls. Um, well, stolen confessions. So here's the thing about Asanov. Asanov actually did his homework in smoke screening it and in, in guarding against copyright infringement because there was a, as I said, there was a guy named Harry Feinbaum. He was a Jewish mob enforcer in Chicago. Here's the only problem. During the World Series, he wasn't in Chicago. <laughs> he was in New York. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got somebody somebody punching up here. Yeah. Um, we do have, again, that uh, the stolen confessions damaged the case. Um, custom at the time was that all transcripts were reproduced by courtroom stenographers. They did not steal those. They stole... They stole that... Everything that was reproduced, if they wanted it again, it simply would have been reproduced from the shorthand transcripts of court stenographers. The defense didn't even contest it. Yeah. 
they thought that they had everything done and dusted. The defense didn't contest stealing the confessions. That's because, like I said, they didn't actually steal the confessions. They stole pieces of paper with confessions on them. One of the things that I loved was when when they brought Shoeless Joe Jackson in under oath. They bring out exactly what he said. Did you say this to the grand jury? I didn't say that. Did you say this to the grand jury? I didn't say that. And he went on for hours every time they'd ask him a question. Yeah. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. It's Eventually, he was. They don't have video or audio. He, yeah. Eventually, because he was it, charged with perjury. Because it, it's it's written from shorthand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if it's not exactly what he said, then he didn't say it. Um, and another one is that uh, the Black Sox were the first to throw a game. And as we know, baseball has always had a gambling problem, especially at the time. The 1877 Louisville team, they took money to throw games. Um, championship games should be noted entire series uh there are reports of teams teams taking money from gamblers as early as 1865 nothing nothing quite like some good old reconstruction era game throwing (laughs) and what city was it the new york mutuals Uh, Ty Hiram, how should we celebrate the re- how should we celebrate the uh, coming together of the union once more? Well, Beauregard, I think we should take a couple couple a couple <laughs> Confederate dollars off the top here. Uh, so we got Ty Cobb and Tris Speaker. Uh, they were accused of throwing Tigers Indian games, mm-hmm. not one, but multiple games, a not an entire series. But these are regular seasons, so it didn't quite garner the same kind of attention. Uh, the Cubs got ten grand to throw the nineteen eighteen World Series versus the Red Sox. And Again, not to go so far. I, I might be getting ahead of myself. I was I just going to say, "Fuck the Cubs." So go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, man. <laughs> By all means, I, I, I agree with well, that. Say it. Uh, the, in, the curiously, uh, the curious part is, is when you go to 1919 to 1920, there really wasn't anything until there was an investigation launched. Mm-hmm. But 1921, the White Sox had gone from best team on paper down to a second division team. So it was just as soon as they had that, those eight men out, that was it. It was over. So the question is, is you know. You, look at that and say well you know you, you look at them that of course there was guilt written all over their face <laughs> so, oh yeah and it was the reason why they tanked is because like the reason why they went from really really good in 1919-1920 to really really bad is because eight of their best baseball players were never allowed to play baseball again yeah. like that would be really right. difficult <laughs> but uh there are examples of cheating in baseball in 1902 1903 1905 1914 1917 and 1918 in the world series um, it shatters a perceived innocence of baseball. And that's essentially what this entire thing is about. The say it ain't so Joe, the little kid with tears in his eyes, saying that to Joe, to shoeless Joe Jackson, it happened. That happened. That is a, that is not a fabrication. A little boy who with, that was his, his entire life. This, if you watch the movie, I believe it's a street urchin. Yes. Yeah. Also, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's David Strathairn's kid. Can I kid. have some more? So, like, that's why we have some child actors because we got Strathairn. Uh, if there's a like a period baseball piece, David Strathairn's in it. He's fabulous. He's Eddie Seacott. Um, but we're we're talking about we're talking about the United States that is recovering from stock market scandals, stock market crashes, race riots, ballot stuffing. And a fucking world war. Yeah. Like, Thank God none of these things are relevant yeah, this today. Is, and a pandemic. <laughs> right. And a pandemic. In the middle, in the pandemic. midst of a global pandemic. These are, like, baseball. And again, as to what Rob said earlier, it was the only game in town. You know what, though? Those sports ball players didn't kneel. 
Uh, well, it's because they're patriots, damn it. You're goddamn right. Because they're goddamn patriots. Freedom cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> no more uh, sauerkraut for us. So... <laughs> It's Here's the thing. It sounds like a joke. I know it's but not. You're, you're, it's exactly not. Right. No, it's, it's not. not it's exactly not. Right. But this this was the the legacy of these guys, and and unfortunately, you you've got guys like Eddie Collins, uh, Ray Shulk. Eddie Collins is second baseman. Ray Shulk, uh, Red Faber, and Dickie Kerr were both pitchers. Dickie Kerr was the one who uh, Joe Jackson said pounded the it shit out of the Red Sox, uh, or out of the Reds, and. Lost the money. Dickie Kerr was a rookie, but even after saying it ain't so, Joe, it's it, the, Joe Jackson. Got to give him credit. You looked at the kid and he said, "I'm afraid it is, buddy." Yeah, you know he, he admitted he it. Said, he said, "Yes, I, I, I'd have never thought it. I'd have never thought it'd be so." Hey, my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, again, the, like the only reason those guys did not did not pound the shit out of the others because everybody just hated Comiskey so much. Yeah. Just such yeah. an absolute scumbag of a human being. Um. Then you've got, like, Buck Weaver. Uh, he applied for reinstatement six times. Six times. And they were all yeah. unsuccessful. His last one was to Ford Frick. He was the third commissioner of baseball. That was in 1953. That was um, – uh, it didn't work. All right, I'm yeah. going to expose my uh, lack of encyclopedic knowledge about Put baseball. Put it away. But does Ford Frick have a relation to Frick Field? Or no. to Frick anything in Pittsburgh? It's no, Ford, different, different Frick. Field. Different wow, frick. I'm... Ugh. Different Frick. Never mind. You're good. No, you're good. Different Frick. Not yeah, frick we'll park. talk about that Frick later. Yeah. Um, I know. Uh, Bob Feller and Ted Williams, two of baseball's great, both Hall of Famers at the time, personally petitioned uh, Bud Selig, former commissioner Bud Selig, to reinstate uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson, which... Technically, they could do once you die. You're not banned from baseball anymore. Yeah. But uh, no, no commissioner will ever reinstate Joe Jackson. It's no. just, it's simply not going to happen, and it, it's a damn shame. But I do have some, uh, I do have some stats here. I'm, I'm going to talk oh, about yeah, you my slash this earlier. line. No, no. Just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, I found uh, two different ball players. So I have one with 32 plate, 32 at bats. He went 12 for 32, hit 375, 563, 956, one home run, five runs, six RBIs, and two strikeouts. That, as we've talked about a little bit earlier, is Shoeless Joe Jackson. Now, I have another uh, outstanding uh, World Series. Like, these are basically video game numbers. Uh, 10 for 33. Uh, this is modern era, by the way. This is not dead ball anymore. Um, okay. 10 for 33, uh, 303, 394, 688. Do, do we want to get into... So a slash line in baseball, it's going to be your batting average, uh, your on-base percentage, your slugging percentage. Yeah, not everyone right. out there is a bunch of yeah, baseball Yeah, listen, if like you us. guys want to talk about... Not everyone here is a bunch it, of baseball If freaks. you guys want to talk about slugging percentage and shit like that, like I, I, I'll yeah. I'll sit here and do my own fucking podcast about it. Don't get me wrong. It was great having Kyle up on the rotunda with us, full pirate out, full pirate costume and everything, but him turning to us every three minutes going, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Listen, all right. And then get into sabermetrics. To be, to, to, be to, to, to redeem myself for a second, I did play baseball for 11 years. I got worse every year I played, but I do understand the game. I just don't. You uh, called it sports ball. You did. Anywho, to be fair. So we've got a ball did. player going 10 for 33 with a 303 average, 390, uh, 303, 394, 688, zero home runs, four runs, one RBI, and three strikeouts. That is an outstanding yeah. slash line. Uh, does anybody want to take a guess? I'm going to take a guess, but the reason I'm going to take a guess is because I know the captain, Barry Lamar Bonds. That's incorrect. 
That's incorrect. Um, Barry, bon- Barry Bonds ain't getting 10 fucking hits. He's getting walked every time. You don't pitch to Barry Bonds in a World Series. This is <laughs> like big yeah, Barry Bonds. You don't pitch to 2011 Barry Bonds. What are you, fucking nuts? Hmm. This is a World Series slash line? It is a World Series MVP slash line. MVP. Ooh. Well, we're talking about cheating in baseball. That is Jose Altuve. Ah. That is Jose Altuve's MVP slash line. And it was worse, <laughs> empirically worse, than Shoeless Joe Jackson's. But the, the, the Sox, were, they were made an example of to cover up hypocrisy. Yeah, if you don't know baseball, it's uh, Jose Altuve from the Houston Asterisks. Houston. Okay, no, Houston. No camisa. No camisa. Shirt enthusiast. And known. <laughs> Somebody got a trash can. <laughs> Talking about Lilliputian uh, baseball yeah. men. We are all, all five foot four of Jose Altuve turned out to be full of shit. Jose Altuve standing next to Aaron Judge looked like a guy taking his six year old to the park. Uh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, Jose Altuve is now hitting uh, 074. Yep. Uh, it turns out it's harder to hit a baseball when you don't know where it's going to end up. Yep. Um, Booyah. So, yeah, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. That's the story of the White Sox and, and the various myths that were perpetrated by pop culture. And uh, I really didn't get too high up on my soapbox about why Shoeless Joe Jackson 100% needs to be in the fucking Hall of Fame. Don't even get me started on Pete Rose because he's the next one. And curiously, I mean, the big thing was the acquittal as it all came out is when, you know, they were they were looking at this from a grand jury standpoint. I guess the big burden of proof laid on the, on the thought of, were they trying to take down the entire Chicago White Sox as far as an organizational standpoint versus were they just trying to get rich? And a lot of that came from the fact where their acquittals came from the fact that, well, they really weren't trying to hurt the White Sox. It was just a matter of them getting rich quick. Yeah. So it was very easy These for guys a grand were jury making, to say. They were making it. a year's salary in five games. Right. Yeah. It was just, it was just quick, easy, big cash. I guess my thing for the whole... You know, to start kind of wrapping it up a little bit. My thing with the ep- with with this episode is the destruction of this myth, this Americana myth of the purity of baseball, of baseball mom and American pie. This did not start. <laughs> no, no, no. You mean this, apple pie? Or, yeah. American pie is a yeah. movie. That, I, it, but you're talking about America's pastime versus America's passion. It spills into each and every sport. I mean, you look at yeah. Spygate. You look at, you know, you look at the fact that Pete Rose can't get into the Hall of Fame. You look at, at this. It very just tipped everything into motion of what it was. I, I mean, you and to go as far as the NFL, you're looking at Spygate. Yeah, everybody. They're like, "Oh well, the New England the New England Patriots cheated," but thirty-one other teams said, "Hey, quick, really, just guys, hide those videos mm-hmm. real quick." You know, yeah. It turns out the Patriots really, were just really brazen about it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes, but that wasn't new, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, baseball is a sport as far as they can go back. Started in somewhere around 1839, 1840, and it wasn't pure then. No, it absolutely was not. Sport has never been pure. Baseball is especially guilty of it. It's this giant Walt Whitman poetic myth. That's one of the biggest problems with baseball. And and in 2020, we're still having fallout from 1919. And it's that baseball is so far up its own ass that it will just never get off of this 
off of this ivory tower that it never had. There's nothing in this world I love more than baseball. My passion is baseball. I am sorry to my significant other if you're listening. I love you, baby. Uh, uh-huh. I am sorry. I am sorry to my dog. You're Dude, I'm right here. That. It's fine. He's, he's currently eating my shoe. It's fine. Oh, okay. Oh, we found the dog. Um, but there's nothing in the world I hate more than baseball. Yeah. Because baseball hates growing its its own game. It's unbelievable. I mean, to, 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 to get really dark for a second, like, it's... I see baseball, baseball as America's pastime America. is kind of like I see America. Yeah, baseball yeah, is America. It's but something but that the... cure. Like, I love America. I consider myself a patriot, but that doesn't mean I don't see the faults right. and the foibles yeah. and the bleak darkness that is our history. It's the and yanking off of a veil. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. It's the way the sanitized version. We have a commissioner right now who called, and uh, if you guys aren't baseball fans, uh, when you win the World Series, it's called the Commissioner's Trophy, yeah. called it a useless piece of metal. Yeah. So that's where we're at. But yeah, your your love and hate of baseball, Chris. I mean, you I are you are the Bukowski, you are the Bukowski. Base find what you love and let it kill you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like it's like it's like Bill you're Brasky. Way, Kyle. You're you're a, you're a big movie guy, and we all know that you're gonna kill yourself in a movie theater. Oh yeah, well, and, yeah, and it, probably. I mean, or or on a set. Uh, when yeah. he said he was going to finish himself in a movie theater, that's not what he meant. He was. Oh, I got that wrong. Yeah, it was a Pee Wee Herman style. Listen, situation. I see trash <laughs> horror films for a very specific reason by myself on Tuesday nights at. 10 We're o'clock. never taking him to Sarasota. <laughs> but like, again, I'm just gonna show up. It's just it's. It's baseball, and I love it. I love it so much. Somebody once told me that I was not allowed to tell them how to fan, and I told them that I have a trophy with my fucking name on it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can tell you how to be a fan of baseball. They gave me a trophy for being a baseball fan. But there's nothing in this world I hate more than baseball. It's not above reproach. But in its own mind, it absolutely is. Now, without getting into steroids era, because we can definitely do a better job than the whatever that's something totally summer true. of something yeah. documentary the problem with that documentary is it came out in order and at the end it was just like and some steroids and then curtains credits roll if baseball hates the steroid era so much and if you want to get rid of these hitters like look at sammy sosa sammy sosa is not allowed to go to wrigley field and mm-hmm. nobody fucking knows why they just won't have him back but if you want to eliminate steroids from baseball, would, would, would you let a man in who looks like Sammy Sosa looks? Today? That's different, and I feel for Sammy. I'm, I there are a lot of low there are a lot yeah. of low low hanging fruit jokes about this, but I, I feel for Sammy on that one. Babe but, Ruth did it on hot dogs and beer. That's all I'm going to say. But if you won't, <laughs> Babe Ruth, if if it was today, like Babe Ruth is maybe at best Adam Dunn. <laughs> the Kurt hey, we're not going to well, could run the bases yeah, but, eating a whole. Babe Ruth only but, played white men. Yeah, I, you, I, you can't I, be the would, best baseball all, player ever in a segregated sport. But, I would also argue, though, that I remember the Sammy Sosa accidentally breaking a bat and the Super Bowl going Park. all over the... It was a PNC Park. Yeah. Bat yeah. broken a court, came out of the handle. It was a batting practice bat. <laughs> Whoops! Uh, but if it's if it's so bad and baseball wants to, wants to eliminate it, where's my refund? I have all my ticket stubs. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take all the money back. Well, then it's a different story. So like, that's it, it's money in baseball. There's no the, if we like I I want to do an entire series just on how fucked up money in baseball is. That's another reason why we didn't play for as long as we did because the players said they wanted to see the finances. Yeah, professional sports are businesses. Period. Full bore. Stop. Yeah, but a lot of these but a lot of these have open books. Baseball does not. But look at the tw- baseball doesn't have a cap. Yeah. As soon as, as no, it doesn't. And the happen. owners the don't have to. Don't have to. Not open how their can books. we can keep players safe? It's a matter of how can we get back in business. Of course, just like and you've got bad faith running... negotiations from a lame duck uh, commissioner. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Let alone here, we're going to offer you seventy five percent of your contract, and here's a lovely air freshener for your car. 
unbelievable. I mean, essentially, it's the same problem that we're having in every industry right now. We're waging employees' well-being versus it's the why economic I don't bottom fault, line. That's why I don't fault Asinoff for being uh, classist. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Fair. We, yeah, are, I don't. we are enjoying this late-stage ca- capitalism, and <laughs> woo, it's working just the way it was written to. I always enjoyed my books about the Roman Empire. I just didn't figure I'd get to live them. <laughs> Welcome to the new world, old boy. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Caligula the movie chapter. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I just love that I wake Not up in a cold sweat year. every night yelling the name of Edward Gibbon. <laughs> so what else we got, fellas? Anything um, else you want to talk about? Any, any thoughts in closing? Yeah, before I, I go that. off on a tangent, because I can tell, like I can feel my neck <laughs> yeah. starting to get sweaty. It's, it's and that's my angry yeah, baseball. Yeah, Chris, neck. Chris is getting his angry baseball. We mentioned up. a lot about Eddie Seacott, and, and and the big thing is, is they talked in later years of wanting to talk to this guy. And the one thing that he had said was that it was the one point in his life that he just was essentially regretted the most. Um, wound up turning out to be a great father. Wound up turning to be a great grandfather. Great great grandfather. Um, as far as Eddie Seacott went, and they had even requisitioned a interview to him to say, you know, look, we want to go ahead and talk about the ADA guys, but we want to cast you in a great light, and essentially came back and say, he, he wrote a letter and said, you know, this is what we're going to do, and he said, without a doubt, no questions asked, no other point to this author, and said, you know, I don't want anything to do with this, thank you very much, good night, you know, um, Again, I go back, you might think I have a uh, Eddie Seacott love affair here, but he was the one that was the keystone to make it happen, the keystone to where it all fell, and then later in life was like, man, this really sucks, you guys can go ahead and basically stuff it, because I'm not saying another word about it. I'm done. Wash my hands of it. Uh, That's what happened. Uh, Landis did it. You know, what 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 else was he going to do? It was an open and shut case. It was totally closed. And, but I did. Uh, it for I can't kids. wait. Padre and I are gonna get, like we're gonna. It's gonna be a fucking double dragon. But it's just fighting back to back. Just just like punching Kennesaw out. Kennesaw oh, out yeah. Landis facts. Oh well, that's gonna be heaven for me. <laughs> I will be the Ken to your Ryu. The only thing that I was going to uh, drop off here at the end of the episode, and I was just gonna say, um, I've been to Greenville, South Carolina. There's a really, really, really good barbecue place i think it's called smoke on the water because there's a river in greenville south carolina dun, 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 yeah dun, yeah it, dun, yes it's dun, based dun, on that it's some, all hipster and everything stupid with a flare gun but right in front <laughs> smoked bourbon right in front industry. of this barbecue joint is a statue of a young man that owned a liquor store did not that owned a liquor store with his wife <laughs> Did not make the right choices, but they love him there. And as far as I'm concerned, they I should love, love him. him in, they should love him in Cooperstown. Cooperstown doesn't fucking count. Don't even get me started on that. Uh, well, no. What I, you know what I mean. I'm going to start my own my own club. It's going to be the best baseball player in the whole they, wide they, world they, club. They, it's just going to have Barry Bonds in it. The, the man the man <laughs> should not the man should not be banned from baseball anymore. And his name is Shoeless Joe Jackson. Yeah, I'm with you, Padre. If I if I was wearing a cap, I'd fucking tip it. I'm going to get a White Sox cap, and I'm going to look just like Ice Cube. <laughs> yeah, because it's the cap that will make you look like Ice Cube. Yeah, ice Cube's not a pimp. You're, yeah, that, that, that'll really complete your... <laughs> That's the whole thing. Kyle, did you enjoy the sports ball? The batter hits the ball with a bat. That was a wicked googly. <laughs> that was 
almost as close as I love lamp. <laughs> Boy, I ho- I surely hope the other team scrimmages more points. <laughs> the Nye Mets are my favorite squadron. <laughs> we, we, Kyle and I have collectively spent six hours in the last two days talking about Ken Russell, but he, but then the batter hits the ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is why we waited until now to do a sports topic. Listen, you guys do the Renegades because you love baseball. I do the Renegades because I get to dress like a pirate. Because you like the fancy shoes. Drink no, you like the, the complicated we, shoes. No, it's the ruffles. We do the Renegades because we love beer, Kyle. Oh, then we're all on the same page. I, yeah. I just got yeah. pirate shit. That and people, te- the, people tend to buy us beers. Yeah. It's, it's all a racket just to get beer. I it's mean, a pyramid the whole, scheme. The whole baseball thing is just a smokescreen. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Every time I get a, a picture with a pretty girl, I get to grab her ass. So. <laughs> oh, Christ. And now we're canceled. God damn it. He doesn't well, now, actually hey, do it. He doesn't mean uh, that. Look, He's never look, actually look, done look, it. Look, my name in real life is not Michael Arnett. It's Joe Biden. <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Uh, and now might be a good time to say that every pretty girl whose butt you've grabbed was just Kyle and his best Bugs Bunny <laughs> sexy lady get up. Oh, oh really? You got a nice <laughs> ass, Kyle. I'm a hell of a honey trap. He yeah. climbs, he, he does that ascend Pittsburgh. He's got the glutes. Yeah. yeah. He's here okay. to balance the rest of us schlubs out. He's young, cute, and slim of hip. Like, okay. What, we got? Yeah, What's up? what are our last order? Oh, I got one. I got an order of business before we quit. I am up for a fucking award. Turns out I have been nominated to be the best baseball at Hall of Fame. It is not best at podcast, which is super messed dude, up. Dude, and I no, blame all of you, Chris. Uh, Chris, it's not an award when the police come. When the police department <laughs> yeah. says to come in and pick up your gift card, that means they have a yeah. award. Ooh, but a they send him. A, <laughs> but they but they send him a certified letter. <laughs> uh, I have been nominated for best crazy. Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, according to the City Papers 2020 <laughs> best at Pittsburgh. Try that again. The best Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Right, listen, kills flies. I am They they fucked up. They nominated me. Uh, I I progressed to the finals, but uh, yeah. I got time. Best, That's best one thing. In well, I, I will say, but I got time. So uh, I am launching a full YouTube series. Uh, you can follow the campaign trail. Uh, I'll start sharing some links, like, vote, share, because uh, I'm gonna win this bitch. Hey. <laughs> Captain, just so you know, um, just because you win something from the Sydney paper doesn't give you the last infinity stone. <laughs> uh, dog, do you have anything? Yeah. Anything else to add, Vinny? Okay, that's it for Vinny. So yeah, everybody. Um, yeah, that was the uh, that was the story of the Black Sox scandal. Thank you, Chris. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I enjoy being able to kind of switch the role up a little bit. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. radically different for me. Glad yeah. to be aboard, guys. Thanks for Yeah, Kyle me. was texting the Yeah, whole thank time. you, Jim, for being here. Uh, really, really glad that you uh, decided to come in, hang out with us in the uh, in the old kitchen with the new mics, give us a chance to test them out. Mm. Um, yeah, we do some new equipment, so mm. I hope it I hope it works out. Yeah. And um, just, to, uh, just to my sex cult members, I want you to know that we are still in the pandemic. We are still in the yellow to green phase, so no shaving. No shaving. <laughs> um, we'll talk about it later. It's, Keep sending the fan fiction. Mike, it's the same. I really like the stuff with the midgets. Any, there's not any shaving oh. anyway. Oh, and if you have the money, if you get your, if we get our stimulus checks, buy a camera tripod. I'm not going to tell you why yet. <laughs> That's your prophet, Michael. Did you please tell I me you got tripod. that? Uh, 
that domain. Did you buy the domain? Not yet. You have uh, to. Do it. It's got to be Dude, it's cheap. 2020. Just make an Instagram. I'll page. throw money. Like I'll go yeah. half of okay. it. Right? It's just funny. Yeah, we'll do it. I'll, I'll it's just you. it's just funny. We <laughs> so, are gonna do it. So yeah, we can speaking, do it right now. So I don't, I don't know of, what it costs. It can't be that much. Speaking of an online presence, if you want to find us online, Chris, where can they do that? If you want to find us on Facebook, look no further than Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades. You can search us there to find it. If you want to shoot us an email, uh, throw an email to trrpod at gmail.com. Uh, we will take any suggestions, any redactions that we should make, if you have any corrections yeah. for us. Any um, feedback, all a- of it. Any erotic fan fiction. Um, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Podcast TRR. And on Instagram, we are at TRRPod. Mm. Speaking of feedback, I do have a slight redaction to make. In our Robert Smalls episode, I had mistakenly said that the Union lost the Battle of Shiloh. The Union actually won the Battle of Shiloh. It was a squeaker. I apologize for my error. I was thinking I of the question of that, but... I don't question that because a lot of that had to do with the fact that um, Sidney Johnston was killed. And he had basically been replaced by a man who said that Yes, we have the victory at this point, and come to find out, the Union had taken over at that mm-hmm. point. Catchers catch the ball that is thrown by the pitcher. I also have a correction to make. Uh, a guy on Facebook with a Confederate flag uh, profile picture told me that the South did, in fact, win the Civil War. Oh, mm. shit. Yeah. So it was good of him to tell us that. <laughs> Survey says. So we apologize to that dude uh, who lives in Butler. Yes. <laughs> oh, that great Confederate county of Butler. Uh, yes, that great <sighs> above yet somehow <laughs> below the Mason-Dixon <laughs> line. Butler. <laughs> in Pennsylvania, the further north you go, the further south you, you get. get. So, uh, yeah, so you can find us uh, You can find us online. Um, also, if you like what we do, if you uh, want to help us keep building a uh, studio space, that is the next goal. Uh, you can support us at www.patreon.com slash trrpod for as little as a buck a month. You can uh, help us bring you fresh new content, uh, help us acquire uh, research materials. It definitely helped with the new sound equipment. It helps. Yeah, you can help me pay off online. my help me pay off my credit card bill from uh, and stuff. Music, our friends yeah. in Blonox. I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, not legally allowed to say what they force me to do to pay for these mics. And you will keep your mouth shut if you know what's good for you. Yes, Chris. Well, I'll openly say I'll openly say it. Sometimes you can find me down uh, at Liberty and Fifth. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, if uh, if you would like uh, to give a hand to people. Uh, Giving a hand, that's exactly if, what I was talking about. If you, I'll try to be serious here, Mike. Okay, let's try this again. Um, if you can find it uh, in your hearts and in your wallets to help out people impacted by the catastrophic explosion in Beirut, you can donate at www.impactlebanon.org. Um, so I think that's it for us this week. We'll catch you next time. Next time, we are handing everything in regards to storytelling over to the one and only sports ball expert, Kyle Graper. We're going to do the believe... great basketball legend, Ian Fleming. <laughs> I, I've been looking up Albert Brockley's shit <laughs> for a week, and I am so mad. So, yeah, we're going to be covering Ian Fleming, the man who had a very, very interesting life, but is probably best known for creating the character of James Bond, although Chris was. <laughs> yeah, so I got a double time. Chris, I, Chris I, wasted several days researching Albert Brockley. days. The man who produced all the Bond movies. Worked with Fleming. It's hey, listen, but... the, the Cubby Broccoli part of our, our podcast is going to be we'll pass riveting. It off to you. Yeah. We'll pass to you. It'll be great. Riveting. So, yeah, we've got that coming up next time. Uh, so, yes, thank you for enjoying this episode of The Chris Miller Show. 
Um, <laughs> it's going to be the Kyle Graper show next time. Mike coming up after that. And then it's back in my hands. And uh, the sweet, sweet comfort of familiarity. And by the way, just in case, for next week, ski, Kyle. And as always, Thanks, play ball. Yep. Play ball and uh, hold fast, everybody. Take it easy. Next time, me and Fleming. Bye.